and welcome back to the Abner Podcast, guys. I'm your host, Freyway, and I'm here with my co-host, Kenny. Mm. And today, we are going to be talking about the highly anticipated return of Game of Thrones and its new reincarnation known as House of the Dragon. Uh, I am extremely excited about this. As you guys know, I pretty much find a way to bring up Game of Thrones in every episode of this podcast. I, it's, it's probably obnoxious at this point, but I love it so much. And the fact that it's back and this premiere episode was so fucking fire. I've gotten so many DMs of people asking me, when is the podcast coming out? What are you guys coming back? What's going on? Where's my Monday podcast? And I was like, damn, this just so happens to be one of the two weeks this month that we're taking a break. We only take a break twice a month and we always do it typically on a Sunday. Here's the thing. To be fair, we record the podcast twice a week, right? Yep. We record it on Sunday. It gets released on Monday. We wouldn't have been able to release this episode on Monday, even if we recorded on Sunday, because It didn't come out till 9 o'clock at night. We usually record around 7. Yes. So no matter what, this episode was always destined to come out on Wednesday. And that, that'll be the same when the season is completely done. Because the way we operate as far as shows go, I don't know if you guys have picked up on this, but people who have listened to the podcast all the way up until this point, we're on episode like 93 or 4 or something like that. Uh, if you've been listening, you know that Kenny likes to watch seasons of a show all at once. Uh, so what we typically do is we'll watch the premiere together. Like him and I have both obviously watched house of the dragons premiere, but we're not going to be doing like every single week house of the dragon podcast review type episode thing. Right. Cause then at that point we would just be a house of the dragon podcast. I'm sure you guys can find that on your own, but what we would do often do is like the first episode of a new season. We'll watch it. We'll talk about it and kind of give our thoughts on what's going to happen while there's a lot of promise left. And then we'll do a full season review once it's over. I think that's kind of like the way we work in the sense of uh, shows when they come out, right? Like, wouldn't you agree? That is, that is how we've been doing it. Um, I will say this, though. So it's true that when I, um, I don't like watching things week to week. However, with Game of Thrones, even when Game of Thrones was coming out, I usually did watch it week to week. And the difference is that Game of Thrones, you get so much more content in one episode. It's an hour. It's an hour long. And yeah. the episodes are like filled with stuff so it feels worth it to wait a week whereas for an anime when i wait a week to watch an anime i'm waiting a whole week and anticipating 22 minutes and like usually it ends up not being as fulfilling to me so the point is i actually will be watching game of thrones weekly most likely i might miss i might miss a week here and there and like be late but i will be watching game of thrones weekly because it feels worth it that said I still think that we're we're not going to do every week an episode on Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, like, that, yeah. again, we are not a Game of Thrones podcast. But all of that being said and out the way, just to kind of give some foreshadowing for the future of, you know, the podcast, what we're going to be doing, uh, I am just really excited that this, this show is on TV because I think you agree. This episode was phenomenal. And awesome. It, there is so much to talk about in the world of Westeros. I'm so glad we're back. In, in, in fact, let's just get right off to it. So in the very beginning... They set up some history lesson with the old king, as he's known, Jaehaerys Targaryen. He's dying. Mm -hmm. He's basically dying, and his sons are dead, too. He had two sons. They're both dead. And he needs to establish a new heir to the Iron Throne, because he knows that the only thing that can destroy the House of the Dragon is the house itself, right? Yes. That makes sense. They have ten dragons during this time. And another thing about his reign, uh, the guy who died at the very beginning of the show, is that he had peace for 50 years. Like, 50 to 60 years of his reign was a peaceful reign. He was a a peacetime king. Yes. I want to say, on the note of you saying there's ten dragons in the show, something that is awesome about this is that, like, 
I'm not one of those people that was like, oh, Game of Thrones sucks because it took too long to show big dragons. But I do think they were acutely aware of certain things. And this first episode was them trying to give like give you an overview of what the entirety of Game of Thrones is yep. and put it into a single episode and hit all these check marks. And I think they did. They opened the episode like after the prologue. There's like a, you know the little prologue that you mentioned. Yeah. But in the opening, they show a dragon literally as soon as it starts comes up through the clouds flies right through the clouds and you it opens with a big beautiful dragon flying through the sky and throughout this throughout the episode there is political intrigue there's sex which game of thrones is very much yep. known for yep. there is uh witty talking there's action there's, there's hints of incest <laughs> there's hints of incest you there is love mentioning the incest there's, there's definitely hints of incest and i want to talk about that later too and then there's also like things that I feel like are there. They're important to the story, but they're also there to kind of give you a wink and a nod. For example, when they were showing um, Damon, Damon Targaryen, yep. and when he when he, they were showing the city watch, and they're going through, I'm watching it, and as I watched it, I said, "That's interesting. They have gold cloaks." Yeah. I was like, "I wonder if this is the advent of the gold cloaks." Like, I wonder if he created the gold cloaks. And then, like two scenes later. They say like, "Oh, Damon's gold cloaks." Yep. Like he, literally he is them. the creator of the gold cloaks, which are like the 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 strongest sort of police force in Westeros. Yes. So, One hundred seventy two later's. It's crazy. There's so much shit. And and we know from Game of Thrones that the way they look is much different too uh, in the show Game of Thrones because they wear all gold in that one. Like their armor yeah, yeah. is gold. They look really cool in the modern. I'm gonna just use the modern version. Uh, 172 years later, they look really cool. But you know, you see the the first versions of them. They just have a gold cloak hanging off of their shoulder. Their yeah. armor is just regular, you know, silverish, grayish armor. But in the future, we know they have like actual gold looking armor. I don't think it's actually gold because I don't think that your armor should be made of gold. It's one of the easiest metals to bend, but that's neither here nor there. I think that it's just cool that later on they get more fancy in it, but they probably just have less to do in general later on because it sounds like from Damon's claims that the city is just being overrun by crime and nonsense. So he came in to enforce the King's law. And I think that that's like, on one hand, yes, it is crazy the way he did it, but it also was important that he did it because he's thinking about the, repu the reputation of King's Landing to all the yes. other nobles that are traveling. And I think the that's way, important. The way that happens is wild because I'm just watching it. And then he's like, all right, he gives like a pretty cool speech. Yeah. He's like, all right, let's go out there, boys. And they just start murdering people. Yeah. So I was wondering, I had this conversation with Medina earlier today about this episode. We were like, when they would just scream things like raper or thief, how the <laughs> fuck did they know who was a raper or a thief? So my thing was, I said there's a scene missing, in my opinion. There should have been a scene where they showed them releasing criminals from their cells and them just kind of thinking that they're like, oh, you're just free now. And then as soon as they release them from their cells and they start walking around, the gold cloaks come out of nowhere and start just <laughs> whooping their asses. Because, you know, Game of Thrones is that kind of cruelty, right? Like there's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, that's the kind of cruelty that you see in Game of Thrones where prisoners will be released and they think that everything is fine. And then some fuck shit will happen like that. And then they'll get maimed. So I thought that there was something missing because when the one guy pointed and just said raper and they cut his dick off, I was like, holy shit, this is very Game Great of Thrones. Cut his dick off. 
The yeah, other guy, they're just like, murderer! And then he got beheaded. Yes, like. and then one guy, thief, and his arm got, you know, his hand got cut off. So I was like, okay, this goes back to, like, biblical times, because that's the type of shit that you read in the Bible, about, like, you know, thieves getting their hands cut off and all that stuff. Uh, so this is not crazy. This is also very Game of Thrones, very on par for that, even uh, even down to the, the dick getting cut off. I was like, it wouldn't be Game of Thrones if there wasn't a penis in the episode. It wouldn't be Game of Thrones if there weren't boobs in the episode. And Damon's also happens to be a whore. He's very much yeah, a yeah. combination of like Tyrion oh. Lannister and other people, right? You know something's kind of funny? And funny, I use the term funny loosely. It's funny that rape is even considered a crime because I feel like in Game of Thrones time, someone like Damon, I don't think he would hesitate to rape somebody. Like I you know what I mean? like I don't think he would either. Those those high-born people, like we've seen it throughout Game of Thrones, they will just like take what like they don't have any respect for women. So it's actually kind of funny that J- Jamie, they do, Jamie they do took respect it from Cersei that as a at one crime. point. Yeah, but it's just it's funny the double standard, right? Because I Damon will go and cut someone's dick off for being a rapist. Yeah. But he one million percent would do the same thing. I'm sure in a later season, Damon is going to force himself on someone. That is no he just seems like the exact kind of guy who does what he wants. I mean, that's yep. what he's known for. He's known for the he his one of his titles is the Rogue Prince or some shit like that. He's yeah. known to be a, a, a crazy like I don't follow any rules nothing applies to me um and so yeah even when his brother banishes him I don't think that that's gonna last very long like I don't think that he cares about rules but uh let's go back a little bit so yep. you mentioned that the show starts off with uh Rhaenyra flying in on a dragon which it's such a beautiful scene we get to see King's Landing and we get to see something that in Game of Thrones is actually destroyed the dragon pit and it's beautiful. In fact, when I first was watching it, I was like, what the fuck is that? Because that huge bulbous building was not in the original Game of Thrones. It's just not there. It's mm-hmm. it's actually completely destroyed. And we only see it like in the later seasons, I feel like, where they have that negotiation with Cersei about helping with the White Walkers. We see it then. And again, it's in ruin. But when you see uh, Rhaenyra flying over it or near it, uh, and eventually, you know, she lands there to let the dragon keepers help out it's beautiful it's like a bit it looks like a palace like it actually looks like yes. a fucking palace but it's dedicated to just dragons and then there's these two dirty ass guys they're in actual rags they got s- smoke all over their face like they have smudge and shit yeah. they look so dirty like they've been dealing with dragon shit all day and they speak valyrian which is really cool there's multiple people in the show who speak that language but they command the dragon uh, i think his name is cyrax this is like her name her dragon uh it's really just so dope to me that dragon tamers are a thing. <laughs> she gets on, yeah, 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 and they just kind of take the dragon and herd it into the cave. Uh, I guess the you know the dragon pit, and she makes a comment about how uh, my dragon is almost as big as Damon's, right? Like, yep. I think that was the comment. And then Alicent, one of the other characters and her best friend at the time, mentions how she's not looking forward to riding on it because I think uh, Rhaenyra mentions like, yeah, you know, she's it's big enough for two now. Yeah, yeah. And she she's like, no, nah, I'll just watch. Yeah. Something else that's really um, interesting is, once again, one of the parallels that I think you, you have to look at the way people direct TV shows and movies, the way things are shot. Things are always done with a purpose. Yep. I know what you're the about way to they too. shot this episode was so interesting because they this is the very first episode. One of the last episodes of Game of Thrones, we see the dragons return to... Um, um, why am I drawing a blank on the name of the city? King's Landing. King's Landing. We see dragons return to King's Landing, 
and people in absolute fear, terrified of them, yes. dragon flying above, and it's fear. We see in this episode, and they sh- they shoot it very on purpose. There's a part where there's guys walking in the street, yeah. and you see the dragon fly overhead, and yeah. they don't bat an eye. Yo, they don't I even look up at it. It's so because dragons are so normal. And yes. So we're looking at King's Landing again in episode one, dragons in the sky. But it's just normal. The scene no you're talking about, alarm. it happened so fast, too. Like, you really had to pick up on it quick. Because it's kind of how we feel about an airplane flying overhead. We don't think anything of it. Like, if, exactly. an air, if an airplane is really close, even when airplanes are so loud, and it's kind of, it's it can be a little scary. Because sometimes airplanes just get so close to the, to the ground. And you hear the engine so loud over your house or, like, wherever you are in the world. And... You know, at the same time, we still are like, whatever, it's an airplane. It's no big deal. It's the same exact response from the people at King's Landing 172 years before Game of Thrones, where no one is afraid. They don't show a single person looking up or running or anything. It is a perfectly normal occurrence to see a dragon in the fucking sky flying overhead. (laughs) And I'm glad you pointed that out. The other thing I thought you were going to say, and I'm going to say it now because I almost glossed over it. When she gets off her dragon, when Rhaenyra gets off her dragon... You see, you don't see her face yet. You just see they they do a shot from her legs and they zoom up slowly. Her outfit and her hair are exactly the ex- it's the exact same hairstyle Daenerys had in the last episode of Game of Thrones before she got killed. It's the same outfit and it's the same hair. In fact, it looks like Daenerys before she turns around completely. It literally looks exactly like Danny. Go look at that scene again. Look at the, what Danny was wearing. In the last episode, when she started going full on Mad Queen, and she was talking about conquering everywhere, she had on this black leather armor. She had her hair pulled back in the exact same way with the single braid down the middle. It it's the exact same thing. And I was like, holy shit, they're doing that on purpose. In fact, yep. when when I looked at it, I said, wow, that's just Danny. And then she turns her face, and it's you know Rhaenyra. But they're drawing parallels to her already, and I think that's so cool. Um, this this show is just amazing. There's so many things like like so we also man. The, the, it just everything about it, it it's very impressive i, I want to say for anybody that might be watching this episode and it's like oh, i don't i don't know if i'm gonna watch it because game of thrones ended so badly let me just say again yeah the last season whatever game of thrones was bad but you can tell with this at least for me right from episode one these people that have now re-picked it up and they're they're handling this with care and the first however many seasons of game of thrones were incredible and i feel like this season is on track to also be incredible and like not in just season but this part of the series the house of the dragon yeah i think i think it's going to be absolutely incredible as well i mean there's so much so one of the things that we see in this episode also is that rhaenyra's mother uh her name is emma and she is in child she's about to be in childbirth she's literally mm-hmm. i would say nine months pregnant um she's on a, a pregnancy bed rhaenyra comes in she's like oh i don't like you flying around when i'm you know, in this yeah, condition. Yeah, yeah. She's like, I don't like you flying around when I'm in this condition. And she's like, You don't like me flying around no matter what condition you're in. Yeah. I thought and that was cute. Another thing that that says to me is that as young as Rhaenyra is, I think she's like 11, as young as she is, it is normal for her to just be flying in the skies. That's so actually, you mentioning she's 11. I assume she's probably 11 in the in the books. Um, do we you know how old she's? I feel like in the book, she's, no younger. she's, ele- she's younger in the she's books. Even- she's younger in the books than she is in the show, which is the same thing for Game of Thrones in general. So they definitely yeah. aged her up for the show. Uh, so you are already on the right path saying that. Because like- she looks young, but she does. But she also doesn't look uh, that young. If that yeah. makes sense. Like she looks like, I don't know if I had to guess 16. You know yeah. I mean? I, yeah. I mean, she could be. I mm, 16 seems a little old, but. 
I'm going to say that she is very young teenage at best. I would give her 14, yeah, 14. at most. But could, it, it yeah. could go either way. I hope that they actually give us her her age because her age is important. Um, age is just important for somebody, you know, said to be the heir of the Iron Throne. And, yeah, yeah. But she's a cupbearer, right, to the king. And so, like, her responsibilities give me very childlike. I don't know if I would have, I don't know if I would be a cupbearer at 16. I'm going to be honest. Like, 16 and being a cupbearer. Depends 16, on whether or not your dad's the king. You know? but, I, but I feel like at 16, you're being married off to someone or you're about to be married. I feel yeah. like you, you know what I mean? In, in this world, we have to remember. I guess I'm aging her up just because she's about to be the queen and like i know so much shit's gonna happen like you know what i mean like I, yeah i don't know like it's you weird. could be right sure. though she could be 16 in the show because daenerys is very 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 young in the books uh when she's married off to kyle drogo disgustingly married if you get what i mean and yeah. um yeah she's very young and in the show daenerys actually does start to show off at like 16 years old so that it's not as bad it's still obviously bad what happens to her in episode one but just so it's not like absolutely just as disgusting as it can be it can always be worse i guess like i hate even discussing it but like we have to because this is the nature of game of thrones um but yeah rainier could be older than i think she is i just know that the show started off saying this is the ninth this is the ninth year of viserys the first so her dad is in his ninth year ruling and i noticed that her mom was pregnant with her at uh jaharis's air meeting which we don't that's something i was interested in she's she's pregnant uh her mother is pregnant but I don't know if it's clear if she's pregnant with her. Because, like, there's no mm. way she's nine. No, I don't think she's not. But I don't think the king died immediately after that, right? So I, I think that I think that after yeah, that yeah, era yeah. meeting, it's not like he died the next day. And That's she, true. You know what I mean? I think that he did yeah. live. He's old, and he has no heirs. So they were like, we need to discuss this now, right? Because yeah, yeah, the yeah. current king is probably not going to die anytime soon either, even though we know that he has some kind of sickness. Maybe Maybe. Yeah, well, yeah, I no, yeah, I don't know how, how long it's going to take you to die. You know, something I was discussing was I'm so interested to see what is going to be the first impactful death. Like, what's going to be the first <laughs> Game of Thrones death? You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I didn't think about what's going to be yes. the. What's going to be the first one to make us like, oh, shit. Yeah, you got a point there. Because like, okay, I'll just, we're going to be jumping all around on this episode. But there was a part in the tourney where Damon was fighting against uh, some guy, some Kristen Cole guy is his name, actually. And he is considered not to be the highest born. He's not high born. And he beats Damon technically, even though I kind of don't think he literally beat Damon because Damon was gloating. He was doing the Oberyn Martell thing. You raped her, you killed her, you murdered my cho- her children and all that stuff. He was gloating. And he got back attacked, and then he got beat that way. He didn't actually get beat one-on-one. In fact, when he turned around, the guy was on the ground. He could have did the same thing to that guy. So, like, I don't think Damon, like, lost. I think they wanted us to know that Damon is a great fighter, and he only lost to his own hubris, which I think will be a foreshadowing later on. I just kind of get that vibe that Damon, Damon is his own undoing, right? Yeah, he did lose the jousting match, though. Yes, but he blatantly, yo, bro, when he got got hit and he was sliding on the fucking poles, (laughs) oh my god, he was like, you know he had to be like unconscious for that. It's kind of like when you're in a boxing match and you watch UFC or you watch boxing. Actually, UFC is a great example. Uh, Last week, Usman fought and in the last like 30 seconds of the fight, he was winning the entire fight. In the last 30 seconds, he gets kicked in the fucking head and loses the fight, loses his title belt, and loses everything, right? It happened in the last 30 seconds. The guy was completely getting his ass whipped the whole time and was gassed. Everyone was like, all right, well, you know, Usman's the champion again. They start writing his obituary, gets kicked in the head. And when I said the lights went out 
obviously he woke up after they made the announcement stuff like that like he you know he came to he wasn't completely out of it for the rest of the night but he was on the ground kind of unconscious for a good amount of time and when damon got hit the first thing i thought about was that ufc fight from literally the night before where he just was he found god like while he was sliding down that pole <laughs> he found god like he was he slid to the end of it and <laughs> fell off his horse it looked crazy oh man yes so there there's so much going on in this show but yes damon is his like own undoing and i think that there's a lot of foreshadowing going on uh in the episode the other thing is Corliss Valerian, so there's this black family who is a branch family of the Targaryen. So they literally are uh, part of the Targaryen family. Like they're close yeah, they to have, everything. They are Targaryen blood. Yes, they're Targaryen blood. Um, they married into the family very, very early. So they are basically a part of it since its inception. And Corliss is trying to tell them about some guy named the Crab Feeder, right? His name is Kragus Drehar. Uh, and they're talking about Essos, I think, because they they mentioned the free cities. And I know mm-hmm. that the free cities are where, um, what's her name? Arya goes. Like, that's where she ends up in Bravos and stuff like that. I think those are considered the free cities. And so. Yeah, so they're not a part of, like, the natural seven kingdoms or anything like that. They're not under, they're called the free cities for a reason. So there's this thing called the Triarchy. And he's trying to explain that, like, yeah, they killed a bunch of pirates right now. And they were like, well, this doesn't sound like a bad thing. They're ridding us of pirates. And he's like, yeah, but they're kind of developing into a little faction and they have a leader and they're uniting. And it it could be bad if those ports go, if those ports get raided or if those ports get shut down uh, and this guy takes over, we're going to be choked here. Like that's, it's going to affect us in a bad way. This is another sort of like excellent feather in the hat of like Game of Thrones writing where in er an early Game of Thrones, people talk about things and they just say names of people, and you're like, who the fuck is that? Yeah. They, the way they talked about the situation, I loved. Because they're just talking about a guy, like, the crab feeder, and yeah. they're saying people's names, and, like, you don't know who these people are. You Never haven't seen, seen them. them. No, no, you no, might no, not see them going. for the next four episodes. You might yeah. not see them for the whole se- You know what I mean? He like, may not be a part of the season. In fact, I want to expand on that real quick. In Game of Thrones, the regular show, uh, they talk about, like, dragons and stuff like that well before they ever see a dragon. Like they mentioned Daenerys's dragons in like season two or something as basically a myth. Like they don't even believe it when when it's yeah. brought up at the council meeting. They literally think it's just bullshit. Like they yep. literally do not believe it. And then later on, we you know come to find out like yes, the dragon. Well, we know the dragons are real, but they in King's Landing just thought that it was fake. Like they just didn't believe it at all. Um. So yeah, there's things that are talked about in foreshadow and the way Otto Hightower. Because Corliss brings it up again. They talk about that. Then they try to switch subjects. And Corliss goes back to it. He's like, hey, yep. I really think we need to address the triarchy. And then Otto Hightower cuts him off, which gave me some tension right there between those two. The hand of the king is Otto Hightower. He's also Alicent's father. He looks over. He says, we heard you the first time, Corliss. Like, mm-hmm. So it's one of those like, yeah, I heard you, but I don't really care about that. I'm more yep. so concerned about Damon because he hates Damon, clearly. Yes. So he was concerned about other beef. things. They have real beef, those two. They have real life beef. So he wanted to switch the subject back on Damon and like the 20 that's about to happen and also the heir that's about to be born, hopefully. Um, so he immediately cuts Corliss off. And Corliss is the guy, I, he seems to be very slow to anger. He seems to be very sound of mind. Uh, he's I, very calm. I don't know if I would say he's slow to anger. I just think he's very poignant. He's very controlled. I think he's angry. Okay. But he he keeps himself 
he keeps himself composed. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I guess that's what I'm trying to say then for a, a better description. I, I will go with what you just said. He might be angry, but he does a really good job of biting his tongue often. Mm-hmm. There's, there's multiple scenes. There's this scene, right? Where he gets cut off by Idaho tower and he doesn't say anything else after it. Like Otto cuts him off, which is honestly high key disrespectful. And then they just never speak of it again. Later in the episode, there's a meeting to discuss the air and Corliss brings up his wife. He's like, well, you wouldn't have to choose between your brother and your daughter. There are others who could have a claim. And Otto is like, like your wife, the queen that never was. And, you know, he right there, he I, he could have snapped on him for that. He kind of does get a little emotional right there. He's like, she has a, pretty much a, as high a claim as anyone. Like yeah, she, she, I mean, she, it was between her and him and the and current the, king. Yeah. And because she is the oldest granddaughter of Jaharis. So the guy that they, again, the old king that they showed in the beginning of the show. In the prologue, she is his eldest granddaughter, right? So just to give like how the family uh, hierarchy looks. And Viserys, the guy who is currently the king, is her cousin. So yes. that's the relationship between those two. So those two are cousins. So Rhaenys, the queen that never was, and the current sitting king Viserys are cousins. And the, the realm chose uh, Viserys, a man, over her, even though technically she has the higher claim. And if they didn't want to choose her, they could have chose her son and they overlooked him too for Viserys. So, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure if that's because her son is black. I'm wondering if there's going to be anything with like racism in this, because this is a fantasy I, world. Yeah. I don't, I've thought, I don't think there is going to be though. We'll it, it could, we'll see. It could, but I don't, I don't know if, I don't know if there will be. It's possible though. It's but possible. I will say, I will say, I wanted to mention just on the note of um, I don't have everybody's name committed to memory yet. Yeah, I'll help Corliss. Yeah, Corliss. Yeah, Corliss Valerian. I wanted to just quickly note as we were talking about him that he is giving me off. It could be wrong. He seems like he might be an early contender for like you know the Varys or the Littlefinger or the Tyrion, like okay. one of the very intelligent characters. Because when we were talking about him being po- poised and everything, like yes, he seems like one of the one of the smarter characters. He that does we give me have. he does give me very intelligent vibes. I think that he's very smart and he seems to know. Not only do I think he's intelligent, I think that he's also very well aware of things that need to be handled. Mm-hmm. ahead of time like he's a future planner whereas other people are more so just on some you know let's address the immediate things that are happening which is important too like you said like you said how in in other game of thrones they talked about the dragons in the council really early on the person that brought that up was Varys. yeah right if i remember Varys yeah, was Varys the one that brought probably, that up yeah so, so he yeah i don't know to that i'm uh i don't i'm, I'm excited i'm excited for so where all these me, characters are gonna go tell me if i'm tripping Okay. I have a couple romantic insinuations that I was getting in this okay. episode, and I I think I have three of them, maybe four. There's three of there's Ooh. three of them that I really like. Think that there might be something going on, but here's the thing: Game of Thrones has done something to my mind that I'm realizing as I watch the show. It is making it makes me think about everyone sexually in the sense that they might be hooking up or going to hook up or there's going to be some weird sexual tension between two people even when I'm I I might be reading too much into it. But I'll just start okay. with the first one. Rhaenyra and Allison, her best friend. I get some very low lesbian coded stuff going on in their relationship and I'm going to give you exactly what I'm talking about. So when she gets off her dragon and she's like Rhaenyra says uh, the dragon is big enough for two now. And Alicent 
quickly says, I'll just watch. You know, I'm good on I'm good on that. I'm not trying to ride. And they they do a whole shot of Rhaenyra's disappointment. She genuinely looks sad about it that Allison doesn't want to ride with her. I will say that I remember seeing this scene, and I do remember not necessarily from Allison, but I do remember seeing a like a look on Rhaenyra's face that could have been taken romantically. Yes, so that's way. not that's not the only one. I'm gonna give you another one. So when they are talking about the father, her father Viserys having a son finally, and Rhaenyra yep. says, I actually hope that he has a son. Like I hope because it's all he's ever wanted since I can remember. It so mm-hmm. that that part is her, you know. Her sadness about her dad always overlooking her, which we see throughout the episode. He never really looks at his daughter as anything in particular because she's a girl and he's always wanted this son. But then Allison says, how come you're not worried about your position or whatever? And she says, I like my position right here. It's actually very comfortable. And she's laying, she's laying on Allison's lap. And then she says, the only thing I want to do is travel the world with you, eat cake and just basically like I and just play like play around. Like I want to travel yeah, the world yeah. with you. I want to eat as much cake as I can handle. And she says like, you know, why are you always like this or whatever? She's like, I never joke about cake, but it's, it's a whole big joke thing. And she says, I'm comfortable on you. So the way she's laying on her and then she makes that comment about how I just want to see the whole world with you. These are things as a teenager, if she is a teenager, these are things that are very romantically coded. Very like yeah, pipe yeah. the pipe dreams that we have as kids, like puppy love. You know how like when you're yeah. a kid, run away with me. Like that's a thing that kids want to do. Like run away with me. Let's be together forever. In fact, to relate this to another HBO show, Euphoria, Rue and uh, Jules in season one's finale, they plan to run away together. Right? Like that is an actual thing. Just to kind of relate it to another HBO show, uh, where like two young girls have this idea like we're just going to travel the world together. Fuck. Fuck our current life, fuck current society. We don't care about that. So it gave me that vibe, but I just feel like there's something slightly romantically coded between those two. And again, I could be reading too much into it. And if I am, forgive me because Game of Thrones has just tainted my mind to look at any scene between two people where there's like a lot of touching going on or a lot of uh, the camera on someone's face in a certain way for too long. I'm, I'm just reading. I'm reading that from those two. Could be crazy. Yeah. It it's possible. I wouldn't be surprised if it happened. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if it didn't happen either. Like I know that's yes. like a nothing answer. It could go. It could go I, either I, way. Basically, I think like it's also possible that in that in those scenes it was just like showing their deep affection in terms of friendship, yes, like how close they are. Because I think it's very important how close they are, and we will get to that as well. So the next one that I think is romantically coded, and this one is a little bit. It's subtle, but because they're Targaryens, it's not hmm. subtle. This Rhaeny- is the first one I thought you were going to say. Rhaenyra and Daemon. Yeah. So when... Okay, let's start off with this whole scene. This scene is one of the best scenes in the entire fucking episode. When she first walks into the throne room, and she has uh, Sir Hollet with her, and he says, gods be good. And we don't even know what he's talking about. He opens the door, and the first thing he says, and he's appalled, is gods be good. And Rhaenyra's like, it's okay. And she walks forward. And Damon is sitting on the fucking Iron Throne. And we get to see the new throne room. It looks amazing. Yes. Fucking awesome. The, the throne itself, I love how they added the swords oh all around God. it. Oh my God. There's hundreds if, of swords leading up to the throne. And also the throne, the chair itself, looks different. Like it has more swords yeah, and it's sharper. It's, People like the king cuts himself on it at one point. The room is really, really dark when Damon's in there and there's this one beam of light coming down. It makes him look 
angelic or demonic, depending on how he you want to. He looks broken, but the throne is important because something we mentioned in one of our Game of Thrones episodes is obviously the throne room, the throne looks really cool, but the throne canonically in the books is like thousands of thousands, swords yes. like melted it's together. To it's huge. huge. Yes. And it wasn't that in the show, understandably, but they took an opportunity to kind of retcon it. Yep. And now we're seeing the throne room and it's like, it's still not exactly the way it is in the books, but it's so much closer and it's so much more like evocative. So you hit the, you hit the nail on the head because George R. R. Martin was a little disappointed about the throne, the way they did it for the original series. Uh, and so I feel like this time they took the opportunity to say, fuck it, let's get even more true to the books and let's have the throne actually be thousands of swords. Let's have swords all over like it is in the books. And I think that that's just a really nice touch. Also, in this time, this is before Robert Baratheon took out everything dragon related from the Red Keep. Like Robert mm-hmm. Baratheon took every single thing that he didn't like about the Targaryens because he hates them so much. He took everything out during his reign. So when we see, when we start Game of Thrones, every trace of the Targaryen lineage is gone. And the throne room got cleaned up during his time. It also randomly randomly got cleaned up during uh, his son's time, that little fucker, uh, Joffrey. Joffrey, there's actually an episode where Joffrey's having renovations done and Cersei walks and she's like, what are you doing? And he's like, uh, I don't like how there's flowers on the walls, like there's vines and stuff. He's like, this shouldn't look like this. Like, I'm, I'm making yeah. this place look better. And he's literally renovating the throne room for to his liking. So I guess every king or whatever take some opportunity to change it, to be more comfortable or how they see fit. But this is very early on. This is only, mm-hmm. uh, this is a hundred years after a, a, uh, Aegon the Conqueror came to Westeros and conquered the six, you know, nations or six kingdoms. Cause Dorne, as we know, Dorne is the one kingdom. They call it the seven kingdoms, but really Dorne never <laughs> folded. Dorne never folded. They actually, they actually beat, uh, Aegon in a way. So that yeah, this scene though, where she walks in and Damon is sitting on the iron throne is so amazing. His voice, they don't show his face for a while. His voice sounds like he's wearing uh, his helmet. I actually thought that he had a helmet on because the echo is mm-hmm. the acoustics of his voice. He sounds godly. He has like this he, echo sound. You could tell that he's higher up than her. You could tell that he's elevated in a way. And he's speaking Valyrian, which is another cool thing. I, I don't know. I just, I'm such a nerd. I love it's, when dude, it's speak, high. This seems broken when they're speaking high Valyrian. And she's like, uncle, you know, you came back and he's like, yeah, I'm supposed to be at court, but court is so boring. And she's like, well, then why'd you come back at all? And he says, uh, I heard there's be, there's a tourney being held in my name. And she says, the tourney's being held from my unborn sibling. And he yeah, says... She's, she, she says it's being <laughs> held in name of the heir. Yes, he says, yeah, <laughs> for me. He's like, that's what I said. The tourney was being held for me, which is... It's just such a... It's a... He's yeah, really witty. He says, he says like, um, you know... Your father hasn't had a son yet, and she goes, "Well, well, I shall hope for a brother." Like, yeah, he said, "Until until your father has a son, uh, you're all cursed with me still." And she says, "Then I shall hope for a brother." (laughs) And uh, obviously, that they're they're saying this in jest. Their relationship is actually very. It seems like they have a really cool. They do have a good relationship, as far as we can tell. As far as we can tell, their relationship is actually really cool, and it's almost like secretive. Uh, And I just say that because he gave her a Valyrian steel necklace, and. Mm -hmm. That is something that is, even in these times, is extremely rare because, to be clear, Valyrian steel is from old Valyria. That technique is lost. They don't have it in this world either. So where they're at right now, Valyrian steel is still a very big deal. It is one of the... It's very finite. It's still finite. It's one of the last things... It's one of the things that comes from their original place, which is old Valyria, that got destroyed by the Doom of Valyria. We still know what that means. George R. R. Martin hasn't even clarified what, what that means. Like... 
that's another thing about watching this episode, and there's stuff that happens later that we'll talk about, but I fucking love how huge the world of Game of Thrones is. Yes. The world of A Song of Ice and Fire. Like, they can do hundreds of TV shows. Like, you know, yes, like they actually there's can. so much that could be done with this world. It's why it's one of the reasons why I was so frustrated when they kind of started rushing the show yeah. after they caught it. Cause like there was so many detours they could have take, like took, taken, whatever. Yeah. So many flashbacks they could have dove into. Like there's so much meat so on this fucking You say world. that like, and you just brought up something else in my head. When Alicent and Rhaenyra were studying together, reading the book, yep. uh, they mentioned Nymeria. And mm-hmm. they say, you know, she went to Doran, and who did she marry? And, and he was like, some guy. And she's like, you say some guy, the Sept is going to be angry with us. It's like, the Sept is funny when she's angry. Anyway, I'll bring up that part because they brought up Nymeria. As we know, that is Arya's dire wolf, Nymeria. But that's also some queen from a long time ago or some great woman leader from a long time ago. And apparently, and I've been hearing this on multiple YouTube videos now, there's going to be a show based on Nymeria, not the direwolf, the actual person that lived that they're talking oh, about shit. in episode one. There's going to be an entire show done by HBO dedicated to Nymeria. So like, like you said, they could do hundreds of shows. I think that HBO has realized this, this is going to be the biggest franchise of all time. For it's, it's a legit, like you could easily fucking, you know, quote unquote, Marvel it. You, know, yeah, like, you, you could Marvel it. Yes. There's so fucking much. It is a fully, and it's amazing because it's by one person. Things like Marvel and DC Comics, there's thousands and thousands of writers that yes. create all these different characters that then get woven into one giant universe. Yeah. But George R.R. R. Martin, since I think 1991 is when he started writing Westeros, yep. has crafted this huge world and legacy and history. Like, he wrote history books for this show. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, so example... The, he's, ra- he's wrote fake history, history books. Like, it's crazy. You are correct. And there's languages, right? Like, Valyrian is a made-up language. The other thing that I was going to say about history is that we can go even further back to the first men. We hear first about the men. first men, the children of the forest. You remember, like, how yep. that all came... The, the werewood trees, how there used to be thousands of them everywhere, and then the first men burned them down because they felt like the children of the forest could see them, which they could, um, yeah. through the trees. So there was, like, a whole war before Aegon the Conqueror and everything where the first men came to Westeros, and there were already the children of the forest living there, and they took over and established things like House of um, the Baratheons and the Starks and all that. Like, they came over... And started right, basically the American story, right? Like that's how. Yeah, yeah. It's it's basically that story, and it's just I don't. It's just really cool how there's history before you even get to the Targaryens. Like we can go further back than this. This is not as far yeah, back as it like, goes. This is considered history for what we watched in Game of Thrones, but this world has history that has history. Yes, like, like Aegon the Conqueror could be an entire series. Him, yeah. Aegon the Conqueror <laughs> left Ovaliria when he had a vision that the doom would happen. Like he had a vision that Ovalir would, I guess be destroyed and he left and luckily and it's like, I want to know what happened there too. You know what I mean? Like, I want yeah. to know. like we could uh. go to, we could go to him leaving. We could go to episode one of another series could be Aegon the conqueror, having the vision, having the dream of something bad happening to where he lives, trying to tell his people, they don't listen to him. They think he's a madman. He flies off with his two sisters who are his wives and, and there are three dragons. They fly off, they come to Westeros, they conquer Westeros, and then you have this whole, and there could be several seasons of them conquering Westeros, because it doesn't happen overnight. There could be several seasons of that, and then, you know, his reign, right, because he lives for a while and everything, and then 
you got Magor the Cruel, who they mentioned in episode one of House of the Dragon. They say Damon will be another Magor the Cruel. Who the fuck is Magor the Cruel? <laughs> and I want to know about him. Like, that guy sounds scary as fuck. I want to know about him. And I think in Game of Thrones, Tywin mentioned some guy named Baylor the Blessed when he was talking to Tommen about what makes a good king. And he started mentioning all these other kings in the past. And he was like, yeah, he was a good king, but he also starved himself to prove a point and he ended up dying. That wasn't so wise, was it? So there's all these people that are mentioned and sprinkled throughout Game of Thrones as like little history pieces that we never really get to uh, see illustrated in the show. And they could have their entire, they could have they entire have, They have these fully fleshed out stories to them. Like, it's amazing the histories on histories that this man has created for yes. this work of art. Yeah, it's it's beautiful. So yes, Rhaenyra gets a Valyrian steel necklace from Damon. He tells her to turn around. And even the way he says that and he stares at her, I just get like incest vibes. And then yeah. she moves the hair off her neck and he puts it around her. She turns around. He says in one word before the scene cuts, beautiful. Yeah, I do think, I don't know how it's going to end up going because it seems as though these two are going to end up being pitted against each other. That's which, what I'm getting too. But I do think, like, I do think she's probably like, Assuming this never had what's going to happen, happen and her being named heir, I feel like she is probably his like first pick for like the girl that he wants in yes. terms of Targaryen women. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, because he doesn't. He clearly doesn't like his own wife. He makes a comment to Otto Hightower about that. Uh, they said that he hasn't been to the Vale, so his wife is actually in the Vale, and I guess she's in. She might be an Aaron, like John Aaron was the Hand of the King or whatever, or Lysa Aaron. Uh, I forget if they said she's an Aaron or not, but basically he doesn't like her. He thinks that she's ugly. So I can't wait to see what she looks like. He says the women of the Vale are uglier than the sheep. He said the yeah, men in the, he said the, men the, fuck sheep. the men in the Vale fuck sheep and the sheep are prettier. <laughs> that was a direct quote from Damon Targaryen. And, you know, he said, if you want my, if you care about the bronze bitch so much, you can have her. I'll send her to your bedchamber. And then, you know, Otto gets pissed off and he's because he says, like, didn't your wife die not too long ago? Mm -hmm. uh, so that's another little thing that was thrown out there. Otto's wife recently passed. And that brings me to my third sexually coded moment of the episode. Uh, so Allison and Otto Hightower, right after the king loses his newborn son and his wife. Otto was writing, you know, who knows what he's writing, but I remember the last time I saw a guy writing all the time and he was the hand of the king, it was Tywin Lannister. And you remember where that ended? Red Wedding. Um, so I just always think about when the hand of the king is writing and writing and writing and seems so busy like that, something is probably in play. Uh, those people tend to be very cunning. And I think Damon even understands that Otto is a very cunning person. Anyway, uh, there's a scene though, right after he loses his, his, his wife and his son, where Allison comes to the room and they're talking and he says, I was just thinking about your mother today. And he's, he has his hand on his daughter's face. He's rubbing Allison's face over and over again. At first, didn't think anything of it. This is something that dads do to their daughters. You know, this is normal. And then it goes on too long and it goes on so long that, and, and please tell me you saw this. There's a point where she changes the subject and kind of moves. He, he says, I was just thinking about your mother today. And he's rubbing the side of her face, constantly caressing it. And it goes on so long, like legit 10 seconds. And then after a while, she literally wriggles free and changes the subject on him. And he's makes then. So this is the fourth one. This is the other one that is more blatant. He says, why don't you go and see the king now? And she's like, and this, yeah, this right here fucked me. Like, it's not, it's not surprising for this show. But it was like fucked up because like that's her dad. But she, he blatantly says like, 
you know, go comfort the king. He lost his wife and essentially, like, go have sex with the king. That's literally what I got from that. He literally sent his daughter to, in my opinion, start to seduce the king. He said, go see him now. And she said, in his bedchamber? So she's genuinely confused, right? Like, she... Alicent is genuinely shocked and a little confused by it. She seems like a very innocent girl. Uh, that's how they're portraying her right now. So when he says that, she's a little taken aback. And she doesn't seem like she wants to do it either. So when, when he says that, she's like, okay, reluctant to do it. But she turns around, she starts walking out. And then he makes an even scarier comment. Why don't you go put on one of your mother's dresses too? And she stops and then she walks. And that's the end of the scene. Yeah, that scene true. is so sexually suggestive of what he's trying to get to happen. And I don't know how old Rhaenyra and Allison are. Uh, is yeah, Rhaenyra, regardless, like they can't, they're, they're somewhere young. between like 12 and 16. Yes. Right? They're like, not older. I than can't that, imagine sure. them. I can't imagine them being any older. Than they're that. Yeah. very young girls and it's very disgusting. Uh, what Otto was trying to set up, but that gives me a very clear indication of what kind of person he is. Because he is trying to make sure that his family ends up on the Iron Throne in a way. He's, right? a, he's a tactician. He's similar to the Lannisters. He like, is. In, in the Tywin, plays that they're doing. Tywin had Cersei marry Robert Baratheon. Right? Like, that was a play to get your daughter to be very close to the Iron Throne. So that way, the children born of that marriage will be Lannisters, technically. Like, mm-hmm. yes, they're Baratheons because it's the father's last name, but they are also Lannister blood, and we find out they're yep. full on Lannister blood. Yeah, actually. yeah. <laughs> they're more Lannister than you thought. Yeah, they're all Lannister, actually. Yeah. <laughs> but yes. So th- that there's those are the four sexually coded relationships, and not all of them may be real. I may be reading too much into them, but I think that that's just what Game of Thrones does to your mind. So Rhaenyra and Alicent, there may be some lesbian coding there. Uh, Rhaenyra and Damon which is actually very common for Targaryens to be incestuous. In fact, in fact, the current King Viserys, his parents are straight up brother and sister, just by the way. Mm-hmm. So like the current King in the show, Viserys, Rhaenyra's dad, his mom and dad are brother and sister blatantly. Like they are not half sister and brother, even though that would make it any better. They are full on brother and sister. <laughs> I just want to be very clear about that. So this I is mean, even uh, when, when Damon's in the whorehouse and like, he can't finish or whatever. There's a part where like the girl gets up and she's like, you know, I can bring in many more maidens for you. I can even arrange some with silver hair. Yes. Like, cause she knows like, Oh, silver hair gets Targaryens going. That like, was a good scene actually. When, uh, so right after he gets done arguing about how ugly his wife is and how he hasn't been to the veil in ages, he goes right to a whorehouse, you know, he, in that scene with Otto and him going back and forth said, you swore a vow to honor your marriage. Right. And, we show him, they show him breaking that vow immediately. Like the next scene is him whoring. And I was like, okay, I knew that was coming. I almost felt it. Like, I feel like I was in a director's seat right there. I said, Oh, watch the next scene be him fucking a whore. And literally they start off the scene showing a bunch of girls watching something. You don't really know what they're watching at first. And then you hear the sound, the wet sounds and all that. And it's like, okay. And then it's Damon fucking, I was like, of course he's not honoring his man. Of course he's a whore. Of course marriage means absolutely nothing to that guy. Also he was given, basically given to that woman, you know, to secure power. Cause that's what marriages were back then. He didn't choose her. He doesn't fucking want her. Uh, mm-hmm. so I really like that. But then, yeah, she did say I can bring in a maiden, AKA a virgin. Uh, I can bring in all these, uh, younger if you want, which is, you know, disgusting, but that's, we saw that in game of Thrones as well. Younger, too old, too old. <laughs> yeah. That was a wild scene. Yeah. Too old was insane. I think too old might've been, honestly, the too old thing might've been one of the furthest 
uncomfortable uncomfortable feelings I've ever got in Game of Thrones yeah. watching it. Like that and Sansa, what happened to Sansa with Ramsay. Those are like two of my most uncomfortable scenes in all of Game of Thrones for obvious reasons. But yes, she she says I can bring in a maiden, I can bring in a, someone younger, and I can even bring in someone with silver hair. So she gives him a smorgasbord of options that are all like honestly wild. Virgin is the best one. Like Virgin is like the only one that's not the craziest, but like younger and a fucking silvered hair, basically a family member of yours or someone imitating your family. It's yeah. just like, if that's what it takes for you to get off, you, if you need to fuck a family member to get off, like I can arrange that. Like that's no problem. <laughs> um, but she also reassures him. You are Damon Targaryen, right? Like you are the King's brother. You are indisposable. Like they can't, yeah. they can't really get rid of you in any real way. Like you are actually the heir to the Iron Throne. What's interesting about this too, and, and I truly do believe this, there's, there's many things that happen. There's parts where the, the council are basically telling the king that like Damon can't be trusted. Yeah. He says like, what do you think? My brother's going to kill yeah, me. Yeah, the like, one guy says that. if something were to befall you ever by accident or by design, and he says design, do you think my brother yeah. would kill me? And Damon also says some wild shit. There's a part where he toasts to the fact that his nephew died. Air for um, a day, which is a very crazy thing to say about, you know, your nephew who literally just died. And it's almost like him celebrating the fact that I'm still... Still yeah. the heir. Yeah. That said, I do truly get the feeling that, like, these two brothers do love and care. Like, I don't think Damon is like evil so to speak like yes. i don't think he has designs necessarily against his brother i think that the show is going to force people politically in the positions and cause things to happen but he doesn't seem like somebody that is like lusting to overthrow his brother i agree with you completely i don't think that damon has a plan before episode one to literally overthrow his brother i do not think that that is what he intended at all i think that damon has a bitterness about him right I understand his bitterness because his brother has always kept him on the outskirts. He's never made him hand of the king and he's always given him positions that are kind of like, you know, for the brother of the king, I should be doing, I should be higher. Like no yeah, one should, yeah. be, he feels like no one should be over me. You gave a and fucking high tower, not a Targaryen, a position that close to the king. What's important about that and the feeling I got from that is his Damon's like anger and like upsetness in this situation. It's not that he's lusting to be in a high position. It's that he, to me, it's like I'm your brother. Like I need to have your back. Like I, like if anybody should have your back, be your hand. It's me. We're brothers. Like we 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 sh we have each other. And it, it's not I, it's not him I'm, lusting for power. It's him like dog. I'm your brother. I will say this. I'm going to offer some devil's advocate and also kind of my own beliefs in there too. Okay. I gotta disagree with you a little bit. I do think, and they made a point of this, and I love the way the scene is shot. This is also one of the best scenes. So it's the scene right after the wife and the son, right? They both died just after the funeral. And the first thing that happens is his council calls a meeting to talk about the heir again. And mm -hmm. the, the king is pissed. He even mentions a feast for crows, which is really cool because that's something that Ramsey Bolton says in the original show. Mm -hmm. It'll be a feast for crows. Um, it's also the name of the fourth book of Game of Thrones. For people who don't know, feast for crows is actually the name of a book. So that line must just be like a common saying in Westeros. It's just like a thing that they say, a feast for crows. Anyway, in that scene, Otto and the Counts are trying to argue for who the heir should be. And at one point, 
you know, after they make that, if something were to befall you rather by design or by accident, he says, you think my brother wants to kill me? He doesn't want to be king. He's too impatient for it. They flip mm-hmm. and they show that Damon is actually spying on this meeting. Yeah, he's eavesdropping on the he's meeting. He's eavesdropping and he hears everything they're saying. And when the king specifically says he doesn't want to be king, he has no patience for it. They show Damon's face go from a normal just listening face to a smirk. He yeah, smiles. Yeah. And to me, Kenny, that smile is like, you don't know me. Like I know me that, yeah, yeah, yeah. that I smile mean, to me said you bitch, you thought like, and then yeah, yeah, yeah. let me, let me end it right here. Otto says what the, this is the, to me. I think this is the best line of the entire show. Otto follows up that line about he's too impatient for it. He says the gods have yet to make a man too impatient for absolute power. I fucking yeah, yeah, lost yeah. I started laughing. I literally that line started laughing. Is fucking fire. That is such a fire line. I, I thought it. the same thing. Go ahead. I love it because it came from Otto, specifically him, who we know after trying to have the king seduced. Like, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It means so much coming from him, who I see now. He is, I'm not going to call him a cunt like Damon did, but he is trying to weave his way into higher power. Even he's high, playing like, the Game of Thrones. Like, he is he's playing. also playing the Game of Thrones. Like so everybody's. Everybody's got a piece on the board. Everybody's got a piece on the board. So when he says that line about the gods have yet to create a man who doesn't yearn and lust for absolute power, I was like, holy shit, that was good. Like, yeah. that was such so, a good line. So I agree with you in that, like, I obviously Damon is A-OK with being king. He wants to be king. He celebrates I don't think he'll do it at the expense of his but, brother, which is what you're saying. Yeah, I just don't think, like, I don't think he's the kind of guy and... I don't think he ever had plans or design to like go kill his brother and overthrow his I brother agree. and shit I, like that. Me and you are together on that hundred percent. I do, however, think that he does want to be king. And yeah, I yeah, yeah, that, for sure. I think that we got that very hardcore when we saw him literally sitting on the throne. He said that this will be mine. This could be mine one day or will be mine one day. I forget the exact line. Um, but he does mention how he's the heir. He mentions it so much throughout the episode. And then he's also sitting on it, which is treason, by the way. Uh, you wouldn't like Jamie Lannister. It's so cool. When Ned walked in, a little history lesson here. When Ned walked in after the Mad King was stabbed in the back by Jamie, the Kingslayer, uh, Jamie was sitting on the Iron Throne. And that is, again, high treason. Like that is punishable by death. And Jamie, you know, he makes a whole comment about how, or someone makes a comment about how Ned only had to sit on it. Like he only had to go, Ned could have taken it for himself. Ned actually could yeah. have been the ruler of the seven. I think Littlefinger was the one who said it uh, when he was trying to sell him the gold cloaks and stuff like that. 20,000 at the time it's 20,000 men in game of Thrones. But he says like, you know, you could have taken the power back then. All you had to do was sit on the throne. Apparently just sitting mm-hmm. on it is enough for you to be the King. I, I don't know how that, that sounds like how it works. Kind of. So they said that Ned could have taken it. I think it's a display. I, I think it it's like a display of power and that like no man would dare sit on the throne yeah. because of what would happen. Yeah. And so if you if Ned were to sit on that throne after everything that already happened, like Ned could have been king because the king was dead. He could have claimed the throne. And the yeah. fact that he was the one that sat in it, you know what I mean? Like Yeah. That display of power solidifies the claim and, you know, shit like that. Yeah, so that, I, I, it's really, really cool to think about, like, obviously Ned would never, um, and he had a second chance to take the throne after Rob Baratheon died. He could have took the throne right there again, uh, you know, but he decided not to. And, yeah, it's just really cool how Damon's sitting on the, the first time we ever see Damon, the very first time we see him, he's literally sitting on the Iron Throne. Um, we also know a couple things about the future, and you mentioned this earlier in the episode. So, 
we kind of know how this is going to end because Cersei is actually the first queen of Westeros ever. There's never been a woman on the Iron Throne until Cersei was the queen. So for, you know, for all of this story is for the way this episode ends and everything, it's kind of already known to us that Rhaenyra is not going to sit on the iron. She's not going to be the queen. And that is kind of crazy to me to think about because I actually love the way the first episode ends. And we're going to go back and talk about other stuff during the episode too. But like the not coronation, but like just the announcement that she's going to be the heir and having all of the Lords of Westeros swear their fealty to her for the Mm -hmm. future was an amazing scene. But you also notice the faces of those people. Yeah, some of them, they're not, like, necessarily enthusiastic about it. Yeah, the Baratheon is not okay. And the Stark. The Stark guy yeah. was literally gritting his teeth. He looked yeah. visibly uncomfortable to me. He was... Rickon Stark. Yes, that's his name. Rickon Stark was visibly uncomfortable, and the Baratheon... Sorry about that. That was my, uh, my trash. Take out the trash uh, alarm. Anyway, <laughs> uh, the Baratheon guy literally looked like it hurt him to take a, to take a knee. So... You already yeah. have a couple houses who are not for it. And then they, they do a quick shot of Rhaenys. Um, she's the queen that never was. She doesn't have... I love her actors, her actor already. I'll just call her an actor. I love her actor already because she doesn't display any face. And throughout the episode, she actually uses faces a lot to speak. I actually love that about her. It's one of my favorite things. She gives me Olena vibes where she, she makes one line, but their one-liners hit hard. She's she's another very intelligent po- poised character. You can like, tell she's gonna be she's gonna be a problem. Yes, because she is the older cousin of the king. Just to put it in a perspective, so she's older than the king. She was supposed to be maybe the queen if they chose her, but they overlooked her. So she's re- she has resentment. She she's she has bitterness, and I really really like how in that scene where all of the lords are pledging fealty and they do a quick cut to her, like, well, how, what does she think about this little girl basically be, being put in the same position that should have happened to her, right? Like, she should have been given that position, but she, her face is completely indifferent. It's unreadable. I actually watched it so many times to see if she gives anything. She gives nothing. <laughs> and I, I love that. And I think that the writers and the director of the episode wanted that to be a point, is that it's hard to read this lady. I'm wondering if she is going to be an ally to Renera. Yep. It could go either way, right? An obstacle. Yeah. She could because be jealous. I feel like she could be jealous or she could be like her they they being family, she could be happy and proud of, yes. of her and like try to help her. Living vicariously through her her cousin, right? Like yeah. her cousin uh, Renera. So that is I was wondering the same thing and me and Gary actually talked about that. I don't know what path Rainus is going to take with Renera. Like, I have no idea where it's going to go. It literally could go either way. She could even be jealous of the little girl and try to blatantly oppose her. Or she could be for the little girl and actually help to, you know, stake her claim and everything and make sure that people are following suit. Something that's also cool, because you mentioned how the original series can almost give you spoilers for this series. But I, I think there's it, I I wonder how much info you can learn about this series by watching Game of Thrones. Like, oh, well, you know, maybe like hearing a name again and like them saying something about a person or like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, I like that because the, the high towers, I think, were mentioned very little in Game of Thrones, but any mention yeah. at all would be interesting to hear now. Like, now, yes, high tower means something to me. It didn't mean anything in Game of Thrones because they weren't really a big house in Game of Thrones. 
They weren't. They they existed, but like they, I can't even think off the top of my head of any relevant Hightowers. Me, me either. I don't remember any Hightowers. I just know that they were a thing, and that's about it. I just don't know what they were a thing for. But I noticed at the tourney, so I'm glad you brought this up, at the tourney, we saw a lot of house sigils. I actually saw the Lannisters were one of them. So when Damon had his pick of the litter, and obviously he chose the Hightowers as the guy he wanted to fight. Yo, he was so petty. He is, Damon is petty. When he was prancing on his horse, <laughs> and he goes up and he points his lance at the eldest son of yeah. the Hand of the King. I was like, this guy's petty. Yo. And then That's obviously funny. after he beats the guy, he also asked for the favor of Alice and Hightower, the daughter. Yeah. So the now he's beat the he's beat the oldest son Gawain I think his name was he's beat the oldest son of the High Towers and now he's also asked for the favor of the daughter and obviously yes he's very petty but you see so many houses I actually saw the fucking Frey sigil the first guy on the left at the far left when Damon's walking down the line there's a guy upside down being flayed. And that's the banners of the. Um, no, it's funny. Is Walter? Uh, the, Walter's the, so fucking old. Not not the Walter. phrase. I'm sorry. I said the phrase. The Boltons. The, the Boltons. Yeah. The flayed man. The flayed man <laughs> is their their uh, banner, and I saw that on someone's shield, and I was like, "Holy shit, they're around at this time." What? Yeah, yeah. That's oh man. There's that is cool. I didn't take a. I've watched the episode twice. Yeah. Um. It's hard to see because it's quick. When Damon walks yeah. down the line, it's I actually had to pause it. To see, I, I, I did notice the Lannister see. one. Yes. But I, I didn't there. notice the Bolton one. And I'm sure there's others that I didn't notice. I mean, we already know that House Baratheon is there because one of the guys walked up to the queen, the queen that never was. I think they say that there's Barath- Baratheon brothers. There's okay. Baratheon brothers in the tourney. One of them walks up to Rhaenys and says, to the queen that never was, I asked for your favor. Mm-hmm. And even though I won't need it, he says, because she must have yeah. some good luck in the rest of the tourney. And he says, thanks, even though I won't need it. And then he immediately gets beat. And she smiles and laughs. Also, there's yeah. a comment that Otto Hightower made when that when Abaratheon walked up and made that comment. He said, you could have his tongue for that. And I am trying to understand exactly what was meant by that. Um, because he says, like, to the queen it never was, I ask for your favor. For being rude. For being rude and disrespectful to... Like, is that, is that name a mockery, you think? Like, is that name? A... I think so, yeah. Okay, okay. So that name, yeah. I guess I'm, I'm to understand that that name is not a good thing. It's a bad thing. Yeah, I definitely think the queen never was as a mockery because they're basically saying, like, they're calling her the queen, but they're, but they're not. Yeah, you know like, I mean? you got It's overlooked. like when I say, it's like when I call someone cool, like, oh, you're cool. It's yeah. like, I'm not being for, it's like, yeah, I, I, I almost I, always say that in a rude way. Okay. So I pick up on that now. I, I, I guess that's what he was saying because when she gave him her favor, she almost seemed pleasant about it. She didn't seem like she was uh, slighted by it to me. Something yeah. about the way she looked. But then Otto whispers in the king's ear, you could have his tongue for that, which I guess is saying like, you shouldn't be the king. The Baratheon guy is almost saying, like, she should be the queen and you shouldn't be the king. Maybe that's what he, like, Otto took offense yeah, to it, clearly. I get, you could take it the other, you could take it one way and just him being rude to, yes. a, to a family member, right, a highest right, Targaryen. Right, right. You could take it the other way of him saying, like, you, you should have be, been the queen. You should have been, be the queen. yeah, it should be you right yeah. now. Uh, and so when he says you could have his tongue out for that, um, the king says uh, it's no big deal. Because yeah. the the air is now coming, you know. There's nothing they could do about it. Let them wag, like let them be yeah. mad, like stay mad. Basically, is what he's saying. It's over now, right? Like the yeah, air- it's interesting because one of his council members also, when Corliss says that, like you know, my wife could be the queen. Yeah. One of the council members says, like, you mean the queen never was, and yeah. I feel as though that's like 
a moniker gets thrown a, a thrown around disrespectfully toward her. Littlefinger, the imp. Yes. So you're right. This the master of whispers. All of these things are like basically supposed to be derogatory. They're supposed to be. They're supposed to cut you in a way. They're not supposed to be things that you celebrate. So yes, when that guy on the council says, "Oh, you mean the queen I never was." Like, let's not break a hundred years of tradition by putting a woman on the Iron Throne. And mm-hmm. that just shows you how hardcore the misogyny is in these days. Like, it is crazy. So, it, it, I, I love I love that scene a lot. Um, I also like how the king shuts them down when he's angry. He's like, my, I just lost my whole family. Dude, awesome scene. He, when he's like, oh, awesome. He's like yelling and crying and yeah. just so He's visceral. sweaty as fuck. You could tell he's been had a, he's having a rough go at it. Yeah, when he said, you already mentioned the Feast for Crows line, but when he's, because like these people are arguing about the throne in the air, and he's like, I will not yeah. stand here and, and like, suffer a inter- for Crows. oh my God. Like, yeah. he's like, dude, my my wife and son are dead. Like, he is having it. Yeah, my awesome whole scene. family is dead. And you're sitting here debating about the next hair. I, I was like, man, he, he, because you know what I noticed? He's soft, right? That's kind of the thing that they're yeah, yeah. portraying to us. He's a soft man. And I don't really mean that in a disrespectful way because I'm a soft man. I'm not a guy who's all about violence and stuff well, like he, that. He even says, he says that, you know, his father was, like you said, a king, a, a peacetime king for yeah. 50 years. Yep. And that he wants to live up to that legacy. This, this, this person was, um, this person existed in a, time of peace the yeah, previous so thing was a he's a summer peace. child basically yeah he grew up in a time of peace but also he wants to not break that peace yes he wants to continue he wants to continue peace. the peace and this just made him really angry because they wasted no time so let's go back a little bit during the 20 they also do this great directorial <sighs> thing where they yes they splice the tourney with the birth of the new heir by Emma. Emma's in childbirth and she's screaming. And so somebody comes over and whispers to uh, Viserys' ear and he leaves. He leaves the tourney. And when he gets there, his wife is in a bed and there's blood there. And they're saying, hey, we tried everything, but the baby is already in breach and it won't turn. Right. So the baby mm-hmm. is facing the wrong way. This is something that happens in real life commonly, but we have modern medicine and it's not that big of a deal. We just do C-sections like it's nothing. And we yeah, also C-sections are a lot more applicable nowadays. Yes. And so, you know, as he's watching his wife in agony, uh, he's really sad about this because she basically is They told him like, she's kind of dying. Like she's dying. And they say we could do something that we learned about from the Citadel. It's experimental, but there is a way that we can save the child and it involves, uh, but the resulting blood loss, you'll lose her basically is what they tell him. And it's a really hard decision to make. So they tell him this and he's, what are you saying? Maester? Like to, you know, he's not really here for, it's really hard to watch this entire scene. I'm having a hard time even talking about it because when I watched it, uh, I had to kind of look away at a part. And it's a, it's a brutal scene. Yeah, he walks over to her bedside and he says, "I love you," and mm-hmm. she, you know he has her hand and uh, she looks bad, right? She's very she's warm. delirious. She's, she's delirious. A- they gave her enough milk of a poppy to the point where she's definitely out of it, but she's still competent enough. But she's also clearly high off milk of a poppy, which I guess is like morphine in a way or some level of opium or something like that to sedate you uh, enough where it won't hurt the child. They said, so she's a little out of it, but she's competent enough that when they pull her pillows from behind her head and they yank her limbs and pull her to the middle of the bed, 
she's like, Viserys, what's happening? And she's all exasperated. She's like, no, what? please no. And honestly, like I started to just, my emotions, man, looking at, because I realized exactly what they were saying. Like, obviously it's a C-section, but it's a C-section in fucking ancient times when yeah. they don't have the proper medicine to really sedate you properly. Also, they don't intend to save your life. It is actually known back then that you are going to die from it. Yeah. The C-section is literally just to get the, like, the the mom is dead. Like, when yes. they do the C-section, like, there is no attempt at, like, saving her. And yes. Like, oh, maybe we can cut her a little less. No, it's like, no, we have it's... to open her up to get the baby, and, like, she's going to die. Yeah, and so they start, and, you know, in Game of Thrones, because this, because it's fucking Game of Thrones, because it's House of the Dragon, they're going to show everything. And they literally show a guy grab a scalpel, they show all these people holding her, and restraining her, which I just can't imagine. And they start slicing into her belly. They literally slice into her belly, and you see the blood running down, and she's screaming. And and Viserys is holding her hand, and he's looking at her, and it's kind of, it's just all over a rough scene. Then they switch back over to Damon, and he's, he just got, uh, like you said, he lost the joust. So he just got knocked on his ass, and... He gets up and he pulls out his sword and he can, they say Damon Targaryen wants to continue the bout on foot. And so mm-hmm. now he's like, fuck this. I know I can beat this guy in a, in a battle of just weapons. So he pulls out a sword and that guy pulled uh, Kristen Cole. He pulls out his mace and they go at it and they actually go back and forth at first. They have a good winning. fight. This guy, Kristen Cole is going to be relevant. Yes, he can fight. And he's also Dornish apparently when he uh, takes his helmet off, but yes, he can mm-hmm. fight. And at first Damon was getting the best of him, but then he quickly, starts fighting back and he destroys Damon's shield in no time. Like that mace was so fucking super effective against that shield. He just destroys. So Damon throws the shield. Off. He's like, fuck that. And the first thing I thought of was, man, Braun will kill both of these guys because they have one entirely too much armor. Like <laughs> both of them, Kristen Cole and Damon Targaryen. Damon's armor is really sick though. Like it's a dragon helmet. Yeah. It looks really cool. It looks like a it's dragon. Definitely high fantasy dragon. Like his yeah. armor is out, out there. It looks like some final fantasy shit, right? Like a dragoon. Yeah. Yeah, it gives me major dragoon vibes. So I really, really like his armor. Uh, but yes, his armor is sick. And the first thing I thought, like I said, was I imagine Bron fighting these guys and killing them so quick because of how much armor they have on. They're clearly very sluggish. You can see in the way they swing, and they would just be bested by him. But anyway, they have a good fight. And at the end of it, I would say Damon won because Kristen Cole's on his ass. And then Damon turns around and starts to, uh, you know, he's happy. He's he's bragging. He's giving into the crowd. The crowd's cheering his name. He loves it. That's the kind of person he is. He's definitely the opposite of his brother, who's much more modest. So Damon's braggadocious, and his back is turned, and the guy hits him from behind, and then he falls, and then he says, yield, yield, and Damon nods his head and smiles. And so to me, it's like, you didn't. He didn't lose in a sense of like, this guy just beat the shit out of him. Damon was on the ground, basically begging for his life. It was more so like a, you got me. And Mm -hmm. I like that about it because later on, you know him and Damon might have a fight. That's what I'm trying to They might have a real fight. Yes, a real fight. Who knows what's going to happen with that? But uh, I'm just, I'm I'm pleased to see that Damon can fight his ass off. Kristen Cole can fight his ass off. And we don't get a true, to me, we don't get a true ending to that battle. Like, yes, on paper, yeah. in the history books, they'll say Damon Targaryen lost to Kristen Cole, but watching it from what the director showed us in that episode, he only lost because his back was literally turned. Yeah, but but that could also play into it. It's one of those things like maybe Damon is the better fighter. Maybe Damon can best Kristen yes, Cole. That's what I'm getting. Maybe his it. hubris will will make it so that he always loses. You know what I mean? Like yeah. maybe 
maybe he could be Christian Cole if they just fought and he had no hubris, but his hubris is what leads to him losing a real fight later on. Who knows? Yep, that absolutely could happen. There's two other scenes I want to talk about. Uh, so, one is the king's wound. There's a random, like, yes, little yes. three-minute scene where the king is kind of hunched over, and there's a room full of maesters and Otto Hightower all looking at his wound on his back. It's like this little puzzle piece, just bleeding and pussing uh, on his back, and they're poking at it, and they're, they're taking some of the puss off. The first thing I thought about was Grayscale from the original That's what show. I thought, too. The first thing I thought was that maybe, maybe it was Grayscale, and... I think it's still possible that it is. And the reason why is because even though when we see it, does it look like grayscale? I think the way it looks and the fact that it's pussing, it's possible that they 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 cut it off. Yeah. Like they cut the part that was grayscale, they cut that off yep. and to try to get rid of it. And so it's continued to, you know, they even make a uh, You're right. And they make a comment about how, you know, it's a wound that won't heal. Now I know from modern medicine, if anyone listening to this or if anyone has a family member and you know about this too, uh, you'll concur with what I'm about to say. But if you have any wound on your body that continues to bleed after several days, you need to go to the hospital because the human body will heal anything that it can heal and anything that it cannot heal needs to be thoroughly investigated. Right? So like if you have anything that just keeps periodically bleeding, maybe even if, even if it happens every couple of like months, right? Like something you have a wound and it just hasn't fully healed, but it's been on you for a long time do seek medical attention because when they said that i was like oh shit that's something that i've heard about in modern times like the wound won't heal but he's had it for a long time and he just tried to throw it off as like oh it's from sitting on the the iron throne it's a prick from the iron throne and we see that he does get cut by the iron throne later on so that's something else that's from the books by the way the whole uh people getting cut on the iron throne that's taken directly from a song of uh, ice and fire that's a common occurrence, actually, and yeah, they say it doesn't that, doesn't really ever happen in Game of Thrones. Yeah, show. it's not a big deal in Game of Thrones, but it's a it's supposed to be something that they cut out. But it's supposed to be a key part of sitting on a throne, especially when the person is not supposed to be on the throne. They get cut a lot. So yeah, uh, it's yeah. funny because I, I just think talking about the throne again and seeing the throne in, in all of its glory. It's funny because it's a callback, or it itself isn't a callback, but it, it calls me back to when. Littlefinger and Varys are talking about the throne. We talked about this in our game with, in our other episode. How one of them says like, you know, it's a thousand swords, and then Littlefinger says like, oh, it's two hundred forty three. I count it. Yeah, like he says something <laughs> yeah. like that. Yeah, he does say I count it. <laughs> he says like it's it's actually only two hundred and forty three or whatever yeah. the number is. And it's funny because like that's almost the showrunners noddingly saying like we didn't do the throne correctly. Yes, and, like this is how it is here. But now, like, it is more, it is a couple thousand swords yeah, now. Yeah, it's literally like, so many swords now. But I do like that. So, yes, the king is uh, clearly ill in some way, even though it doesn't seem to be affecting him really right now. But, yeah, I mean, the whole, point of them, the whole point of them showing that is that it's going to get way worse. Yeah, I'm and still on Team Grayscale. Like, I truly think I it's Grayscale. I immediately thought of Grayscale. They zoomed in on it. They showed the pus coming out. And the first thing I thought was when Samuel Tarly was helping Jorah Mormont and he started cutting it off. It looked exactly like that to me. And then they they mentioned that uh, we could try cauterization. I had to look up what cauterization means. I actually did not know what that word was. I actually never heard that word in my life. So for people oh, wow. who, for people who are like me, who don't know what cauterization means, uh, and the word starts with a C actually. So there's that. I thought it was spelled like quarter, but it does, it's not. <laughs> anyway, cauterization is the process of burning 
right? Or basically cutting off, completely cutting it out, uh, burning or cutting out a wound or an area of the body to try to prevent it from spreading. So essentially mm -hmm. we can burn it and hopefully that'll stop it from going any further and you'll be fine. So they bring up cauterization and we already know that it, nothing they do is going to work because Samwell is one of the few people in history to ever actually heal grayscale. Yep. It's a big deal when he does. So whatever they're going to try is not going to work. They don't have the right methods yet. Uh, so that's an interesting thing to me is that like, they're going to try to do all these things. And he said, it's going to be very painful. And he says, yeah, get on with it. Like he, you know, he's over it. He's like, this isn't that big of a deal, but you guys are making a big deal out of it. And Otto Hightower says, listen, I'm going to fuck what the King says. Don't let this get out. Yeah. This has Make to be dealt with. Don't let other people know. Yeah, like, I don't want anyone knowing it. And a part of me is like, man, maybe Otto's looking out for the king's best interest. But a part of me is also like, I, I don't trust Otto. I just don't trust him. So when he says, make sure no one else finds out, I'm like, uh, I don't know how I feel about that. Like, maybe, maybe Damon should know, you know, even though that's the last person. That's the fucking last person that uh, Otto would ever let know. He, In fact, Damon will probably find out later on in the season. And it's probably going to be a big deal. Man, there's so much cool things about the history and lore of Game of Thrones in that, like, for example, we still don't even really know what is grayscale. Why yeah, we actually is. don't. You it know just what I mean? Like, people into like zombies, kind of. I wonder. I could be wrong, but it's it's like from like that's place they show. That's old Valyria, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you are you are correct. So when, when we see the Game of like, Thrones. Okay, so you know how we have shit like bird flu, right? We have yeah. bird flu. We have you know swine flu. I wonder if it's like dragon flu. You know what I mean? Like the fact that it turns mm. you scaly and yeah. like old Valyria and had dragons shit. And I just, I wonder if it's like some disease or sickness that they got from dragons. Maybe it's just because these people don't use lotion. Like it could totally be. Not, sure. <laughs> it could totally be eczema and just, they just don't have lotion and, oat, and oatmeal baths and it just spreads so bad. Cause we, in modern times, no one dies of eczema or anything like that. Like you just, you just kind of put on some fucking lotion and you go on about your day. No, but I'm, I'm yeah. obviously joking. I do think that it does have something to do with dragons because it makes you scaly and it comes from the place where dragons descended, which is old yep. Illyria. When we see it in game of Thrones, it's Jorah Mormont traveling with uh, Tyrion as a prisoner and they're on a boat and somebody jumps in the water and they're like, what the fuck was that? But then it, it kind of just, you know, whatever. And then later on, they get attacked by some zombie-looking people covered in grayscale, and their minds are lost. So it makes your mind foggy after a while. It kind of makes you lose your sense of humanity is a part mm -hmm. of it, which I don't know. It, me and Kenny are speculating that it's drag that is grayscale at all. We don't even know if it is grayscale, but if it yeah, is, yeah, it's not confirmed that it's grayscale because they don't they don't show it being grayscale. They show an open wound. Yeah. But when me and Fraser are saying that, like, I think that they cut off. The part that was grayscale yes. and trying to like cure it. Yeah. So if it is grayscale, it's going to be interesting because he will start to lose his wits. He'll start to lose his mind a bit, and that could play into it. Uh, there's a, the other scene that I want to talk about. If we're done with, if we're done with that whole little part yeah. about the king is dying. So the other thing I want to talk about, and this scene hurt me, but it's when the king goes in to see his wife and she's taking a bath, and he says, "This water is tepid." And doesn't don't maesters know that dragons prefer fire, right? I love that line. I love these little things about the Targaryens and how they lived. They can they can take on excessive amounts of heat. By the way, uh, another thing that I investigated and researched: the king and his wife are cousins. Just so we're clear, they are first cousins at that. 
So I want people to understand that Emma Targaryen and Viserys Targaryen, Rhaenyra's uh, mom and dad, are first cousins. So just think about, well, don't think about being <laughs> <laughs> being married to your fucking first cousin. Just to put it in perspective, because first cousin is so close. Like I have a lot of, first, I'm in a group chat with a lot of my first cousins and at no point in my life that I ever think like, huh, you know what I mean? So like, it's just crazy that he's visiting her in yeah. her bath. He's like, oh, the water's too tepid. Anyway. So this scene for me was really sad because you find out what they've been going through for the last 10 years. She yeah. says, she says to him, this is the last time for serious. I've lost one babe in a cradle. We've had two stillbirths. And two before their term. That's five children in twice as many years. So they've lost five kids in 10 years. Yeah. Prior to this show even starting. So she's, she said, I can't mourn any more dead children. I've mourned all the dead children I can handle. And to her, this is it. Like, no matter what this baby is, she said, no matter what you do, it won't make the baby have a cock. So, like, if this baby comes out a girl, so be it. I'm not having a single other kid. And she said, if I, I, my duty as queen was to give you an heir. And if I have failed you in that, I am sorry. And she yeah. sounds choked she's up. She's like crying. Yeah. She's crying. She sounds really choked up. She grabs his head and she looks him in the eye. She says, if I have failed you in that, I am sorry. And I felt so hurt by that because imagine, I know nowadays when women have miscarriages and stillbirths and all types of stuff like that, it is fucking heartbreaking to them like it destroys women when they have these issues and for her to have gone through five five children in 10 years so every other year they try for a baby and something goes terribly wrong it hurt me to hear her say that shit and he's looking at her because you know he wants this son no matter what to me it was her saying listen after this one we're going to have to explore other options and i know what other options in these times means you can have a whore basically like someone else is going to have to give you an air we're going to have to do something but like i can't do this enough i can't i can't go i can't do it anymore it's crazy too because like she um shit what was i going to say oh oh i remember what i was going to say it's crazy because like you said in modern times like people still deal with this right of course and yeah it's this horrible, is still a thing but in modern times it's nobody looks at the woman and oh, like yes. blames her. Nobody treats the woman like shit. The woman receives, even though it's it doesn't help, but it does help. Like the woman receives affection for this, right? Yeah. She's not blamed. Whereas in these times, that she's apologized. She's like, like it's her fault. Yeah, you know and that's I mean? how they like, looked at women like, back then. But she's being, she can be scorned for the fact that she wasn't able to produce a, a male heir. She like, feels it's her like fault. an actual failure. Yeah, and and to speak to that. There's a point uh, where Rhaenyra is talking to Emma at the, the beginning. She says, I don't like you flying when I'm in this condition. So she mentions how, you know, one day you're going to be in the same bed. She said, we have, uh, we have something. Royal wounds. Royal, royal wounds. wounds. We have royal wounds. And so one day you're going to be in the same bed. Our battle is in childbirth, basically. Yeah. Like that's our battle, which is interesting because while the tourney's happening, she's in childbirth. So yeah, they beautiful, sh- beautiful, right? Like that's the directors so- know what they're doing, man. Like excellent. Like here's the thing, and this is what made the original Game of Thrones when it followed the book so incredible. Game of Thrones is an amazing story, amazing characters, great history. Yes. However, to bring something to life on the screen does require talented directors and and a million other positions. Yeah, the the people in Cost charge design, of this all that stuff are. Right? Yeah, the people in charge of this are excellent. 
excellent directors. Because here, because these books are written, but as as I understand them, I didn't read them. I think they're called A Fire and Blood. They're written like history books. They're written like text documents. Yeah. They're not written like stories, like how A Song of Ice and Fire is written. They're exactly written right about that. They're written like history books. So they don't have direct like the shots essentially aren't there. They're There's not, not from like a setting of scenes. Exactly. So being able to uh, it takes a talented director. He's making this drama. He's making this into more than just a history lesson. Yep. And just like big kudos to them because the story itself is great. You got to give credit to George for like writing these things, but you got to give big credit to the people taking on the task of adapting this and, and shooting scenes. In. Yeah. Yeah. Shooting scenes in those way that make you like look at it like holy shit and really see what they're going for. I am so glad you said that. I have a lot to say on this topic, and I want to talk about this now a little bit. Uh, I almost forgot, and I actually wanted to start the podcast off with this. A lot of people were speculative about this show to begin with. A lot of people online were like, I'm not watching this. Uh, They fucked up Game of Thrones so bad, I won't let them do it to me again. And they were very, very afraid about starting House of the Dragon at all because they didn't want to be let down twice. And I was arguing, and I don't normally do this. But I was arguing with people who I know. I don't argue with randoms. I refuse. You will never catch me in the comment section arguing with a random person who I do not know. Uh, unless like it's on my status and somebody comes on my status and says some wild shit. And then I'm like, all right, well, I have to address that. Anyway, my point yeah. is I've argued with people that I know who was like, oh, this show's going to be terrible. Or I'm not watching this show because of Game of Thrones. I immediately tell them. This is a finished story. This is not the same case. You are taking it out of context. And it's yeah. you're actually doing yourself a major injustice to just say say what happened to Game of Thrones is going to be the exact same thing that happens to House of the Dragon. It's not, it's not even possible. It's actually not possible. They can't make up the ending because the ending is known. Also, you know the ending too because you know what happens to the Targaryens <laughs> if you watched Game of Thrones. Like, you could technically... In a in a way, in a very roundabout way, you could technically write the story of House of the Dragon yourself because you know that this is going to end with the Targaryens basically going extinct. Mm-hmm. Like, damn, damn, they're going extinct. They're going to... I don't think they're going to get as far as the Mad King, but, like, that is... I don't think is, so because that's 170 years later. That's, yeah, that's 170 years later. But we do know that this story is the descent of the Targaryen lineage. This is where things go south. They've had peace mm-hmm. for 50 to 60 years, and this story is the beginning of the Targaryens coming to an end, and dragons coming to an end, because the Mad King didn't have a dragon. Like, the, the Mad King... Yeah, this is when... Because right now we have 10 fully grown dragons. Yes. I, I think this is when the... I guess the new dragon babies... Interestingly, that's interesting. So how uh, Viserys... Like he has like all these stillborn children and things like that. Yeah, that that follows sort of the trend. Like it's happening at the same time. The dragons are going to start getting smaller and smaller. There's less and less of them. Yep. Like they're not a- the dragons aren't able to produce offspring either. Like yeah. starting from this point, this is the descent of the Targaryens, the descent of the dragons. Yeah, this like is all this... happening right now. Yeah, it's actually really cool. But uh, to the to the to the original point about people being disappointed in Game of Thrones, I totally understand that. We've spoken about that. Kenny and I have mentioned it so yeah. many times. But we always say you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater when it comes to Game of Thrones. That show you gave can. you that show gave you five to six amazing seasons. The first five are based off of the the novels, and they're really really well done in my opinion, and I think in most people's opinion. And yes, we did get two very bad ending seasons. I think six is one. Six is I actually like season six personally. I think it has the best episode. I like six. But I, 
I have a lot more complaints with it than I do previous seasons. I agree with that as well. I like six, and I don't think six should be grouped in with seven and eight. I think that those two are very clearly different. Uh, six has, to me, the best episode of Game of Thrones, period, which is episode 10, where Cersei blows up, blows up the uh, the church and like kills the... She ends the um, Tyrell lineage and all that stuff. You know, a lot happens in that episode. The episode's fucking insane. It's also where you find out that Jon Snow is actually a Targaryen. Episode's wild. Like, every... In fact, I even say that every single scene in season six, episode 10, every single scene of that episode is amazing television. Arya killing the phrase, like the way she kills Walder Frey is fucking insane. Like, like literally everything. Sam finally getting to Old Town. You get to finally see what Old Town looks like. And he gets to the library and the library is this crazy yeah. mystical looking place with thousands, maybe millions of books. It's just so beautiful. And like all the things that happen, Nymeria and Arya running into her direwolf, like it's a lot. That entire episode, Cersei, when she talks to the Scepter who was torturing her, and she says, you're not going to die today. You're not going to die for a very long time. <laughs> you know, she walks out saying, shame, shame, and then she leaves her with uh, the mountain. And there are so many scenes from that episode that I think are amazing, but I don't like throwing out the baby with the, the bathwater and saying that Game of Thrones is an awful show because it ended poorly. That's just ridiculous. So, yeah, it, the, first of all, like you, you already said all that, but it's, um, it's just important to understand that, like, it's also not the same showrunners. It's not. The showrunners Those that guys, ended D&D Game of Thrones, gone. they're gone. And th- we have new people running the show, and it's people that... I, here's... The internet doesn't just exist for us. The people make... Like, HBO also has access to Reddit. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yes. like they're not... They're not uh, disillusioned by the ending of Game of Thrones. Yeah, they, they know. It's not like they don't know how we all think, how we all feel. Yeah. And... So they are going to take very careful care in treating this fairly and, and doing what went well with the be- with everything else in Game of Thrones. And to be fair, it's going to be easy to do that because, like you already said, they know everything that happens already. The yeah. ending's not a fucking mystery. You, you're hitting the nail on the head so hard right now because, honestly, yes, they have history as a teacher. They have different show writers. So those people, D&D are not a part of this at all. And they also have the directors from Game of Thrones, uh, some of the best directors. So the guy that did Battle of the Bastards, he's a part of the team for House of the Dragon. And if you don't know, then Battle of the Bastards is one of the best fucking episodes of Game of Thrones, period. It's a top ten for sure. Like, it is one of the best. So, like, he's working on it very closely. Um, They have, yeah, the the writers have, also, George R. R. Martin is involved. And not in a small way, like George R. Martin is not only an executive producer, but he is constantly being consulted about it for context, because I think that that's the whole conversation me and Kenny are having right now is about context, right? People are like, oh, Game of Thrones ended poorly, so House of the Dragon is going to be shit as well. And that's that's taking it out of context. For context, Game of Thrones season seven and eight, D&D went to see George R. R. Martin for three days. They got to sit with him for three days to do season seven and eight. And in those three days... They were basically told like what he's thinking the ending is going to be because he still hasn't finished the books. And in a recent interview that just came out this week, actually, so I'm actually glad that we didn't get to do the podcast till today. In a recent interview, George R. R. Martin said, uh, at first, the ending that I gave to them, that was the ending that I had in mind. But now as I'm writing it, I'm changing things. Yeah, what's important to know, and some people might hear that and say like, oh, he's changing it because of the bad reception. And I don't think that's necessarily true. What people have to understand, but the way he writes, and he said this for years before before the ending was even a thought. He said this during season five, etc. The way he writes, 
is he he says he's like a planter. He's like a he it grows. Like he he writes and it comes to him and he creates things. He doesn't write the whole outline out and then fill it in. He just like writes naturally yep. is the way he writes. And that develops in its way, and that's part of the reasons why it ended up being so long. Yep. I feel like Ichiro Oda probably does something similar. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think those two, but, these are those two writers on on par with each other to me. They're both Yonko. Yeah. So, anyway, what I'm trying to say is this: he's writing this, and he has ideas for the way things are going to go, but it has to take shape. And what the, what they did with the original Game of Thrones is they took the thing that was already taken shape, yeah, and they crafted it into an excellent show. But they aren't writers, at least not writers of the caliber of George R. R. Martin. Yeah, not even this close. is why it's this is why it's taking so long to write the ending of the books. This is why the show got ahead of the books because like he's crafting the ending. Yes, and you have and to imagine they're not doing that. They're just like, well, we're going to kind of get there. And you have to imagine, even with the original five books, I'm sure that as he was writing them, he changed things and rewrote them. He probably had an idea for book two after he finished book one and Ned Stark gets beheaded, right? After he finishes book one with Ned Stark dying, I'm sure he had an idea for what he wanted book two to go like, and then it got changed as he was writing it. Yep. Like, it evolved as he wrote it. All he's saying in this interview that came out this week is that as I am writing towards the end of the, sh of the show or as at the end of the books, is it's evolving in a way that wasn't there when I gave them the ending that I had in mind those mm -hmm. years ago. And they only spent, and I said three days, they only spent three days with George R. R. Martin to get the basis for season seven and eight. So while some of it is 100% like what he told them, they had to fill in a lot of gaps. You can, you, you have to imagine, they filled in so much with their own headcanon, and it just didn't work out. Like, it just didn't work out. The other thing is the, the journey, right? In that... They can get some things to happen the way George wanted them, but at that point, through like it started, I think in season five because that's when they started to catch up to the books. Yeah, there's a little changes they made in season five, bigger changes in season six. Yep, and then they started writing and veering away from what the book was doing before season eight. You know what they, I mean? Yeah, and so there was right. already. They were already on a different road anyway. So even if they got some things exactly the way he wanted them, they weren't, it wasn't on the right road to even get to that spot. Like, yes. even though it was like, this is what I wanted, there, there, there wasn't the foundation to get to that solution. Also, you, you were going somewhere else. Also, he says in this interview that I wanted Game of Thrones to be a minimum of 10 seasons, but I really think it should have been 12 or 13. So just to put it into perspective, this show ended in eight seasons and George R. R. Martin thinks that it should have been 13. Like if he, if he could have it his way, he said it should have been 13. I remember when season eight was coming out, there was interviews. Basically George R. R. Martin blatantly said there's an interview. Like you can see it in yeah. video. Yes. He says like, I don't know why they're ending it. Like it, he, he blatantly says like HBO's did it. HBO didn't cancel it. Like, he 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 just says it. He says like they're the ones yes. that want to end it. They want to wrap it up. He's they want to finish record, it. It doesn't need to finish. Like I don't know why they're ending it. He's on record, blatantly saying that. And this again in this interview, he says it again. He reinforces it because what Kenny's saying is true. Years ago, uh, George R. R. Martin spoke to the fact that it should have been at least ten seasons. That's not new. That didn't come out like that's not new for this interview. He's actually just reaffirming everyone who maybe didn't hear that old one that he wanted the original Game of Thrones to be ten seasons minimum and he really thinks it should have been 13 or 14 like 12 or 13 i think he says and easily man like 
It, it's so obvious how rushed it is. Like, yeah. So I do think that the Mad Queen was always supposed to happen. I think Danny was yeah. never supposed to sit on Iron Throne. Stuff like that. You kind of build up that just was skipped. There's build up that was skipped, and I think that you can even see that because when people want something too much, Danny starts to show off. You know, at first she doesn't care about the Iron Throne, right? Like she believes her brother is supposed to be the king. Like she truly believes that. And then as the season goes on, I think about like episode six when he gets the golden crown, <laughs> um, she says he was no true dragon. Dra- fire cannot kill a dragon. And she says, My brother was a fool and he was never supposed to be king. And she realizes that it should be, she thinks it should be her. And for the rest of Game of Thrones, from that episode on, she feels like she should be the queen of the seven kingdoms. And what that means is she's probably not going to get it because she wants it so bad every season. I was born to rule and I yep. will. There's all these scenes where she, I was not, I'm not going to, uh, she said, I'm not going to stop the wheel. I'm going to break the wheel or I'm not going to, yeah, yeah I'm going to yeah. destroy the wheel or something like that. She says, so yeah, th- it's, it's really, really out of context when people say game of Thrones is so poorly. So house of the dragon is going to be bad. There's so many differences between the two. The situation is not the same. This has a it- finished story called fire and blood, which Kenny brought up earlier. It's not the same. You can't thing. compare this to season eight of Game of Thrones. You have to compare it to seasons one, two, and three yeah. because that's the comparison. The comparison is this is being adapted from a finished book. Yes. And like, the last and if you think seasons happened, one, two, and three were awesome, guess then, what? And and I, I truly believe I I thought this was going to be good. I know you thought this was going to be good, oh, but the whole time. of course, there's a part of you that's like, man, I really I hope that they're I hope that they do it justice. I hope that they're just not like. Coming in on a cash grab, grab. I want to see what happens. And I yeah. saw episode one, and I'm a million percent convinced they fucking have a plan and they're doing Bro, it. It's go- like it's wh- fucking good. This episode was so. It honestly, including all eight seasons of Game of Thrones, this is one of the best episodes of Game of Thrones. I was this episode to- was fucking incredible. <laughs> you are going off. I was thinking the same thing. This is one of the best episodes of all of the Game of Thrones series. It is so outrageously good that it basically reassured me that they know what they're doing. They know how to make a good show. They know how to make a good adaptation, which they always have been good at. And I'm just blown away at the quality of it because you mentioned a checklist earlier and I couldn't agree more. It really seems like they had a checklist. They had uh, a chip on their shoulder. They knew they had to come in hot, but they didn't want to come in where it seems like they were doing a seven and eight thing where things are happening too fast, right? It's the pacing for episode one. It's crazy. A lot of things happen, but it doesn't seem rushed. But it feels so well paced. There's so much that happens, but the pacing is mwah. like it's it's just <laughs> mm, it's so good. It's it's incredible how good it is. Like when I watched it, I audibly I watched it with my girlfriend. We I, I almost got worried that I was a, that I might have been annoying because like <laughs> I talked, I was talking, like I wasn't having conversations, but I but, audibly reacted to many things. Also, bro, because so like points. it was really good. Like I audibly reacted. Like I got really hyped. There was um, oh, man, I can't remember. There was just like a lot of really cool parts that impressed so, me. Okay, I'll say one of them that had me literally laughing. So after Damon does his justice, I'll call it Damon's justice, right? The next day, he's in the fucking council meeting, and Otto Hightower's talking shit on his name. He's throwing smut on Damon's name as he's walking into the council meeting. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't know that Damon's in that meeting, so yep. he's walking and he's like, "The uh, the bro- the the king's brother cannot be allowed to do these things with impunity." 
And then and you were talking about my impunity. Yeah, he says, go on, continue. You were just talking about my impunity. So anyway, Damon's face has like fucking dirt all over it. He looks like he's had a long night. It's actually hilarious yeah. that he showed up like that. Like he showed up without bathing, clearly. Yep. And he's sitting at the table and Otto was, you know, clearly taken off guard by that. And but Otto doesn't back down. He's like, you need to explain what happened last night. And so Damon explains. He says, listen, we have a bunch of lords coming here. Do you want them to be raped and murdered and stolen from? And the king says, I certainly don't. And I agree that there needs to be, you know, a law going on. But I hope that it doesn't take maiming half of my city to achieve this. And Damon responds with, time will tell. I fucking lost it. I fucking lost it. Like the king said, I hope you don't have to maim half my city. And mind you, the king was exaggerating, right? Like that was hyperbole. Like half the city is wild. But then Damon, without a smile on his face, being completely serious to that, says, time will tell and the king's face when he says that shit yeah, is yeah, like yeah. very meek he gets like this very like oh shit like you're not Dam- like you think i was OD. being serious there was another great spot where this is damon's not in the room and they're talking about it how damon's not fit to be king and then um uh otto's saying like you know you got to get him under control the city watch and they're mer- and yeah. then he's like you made him head of the city oh, watch yeah, yeah. he said i made him you know head of coin and you yeah. said he he like wasted he would, the money. he would you said he would beggar the crown yeah, and then like I made him do do this, and like all of the positions I put him in, you explained why he wasn't fit for those positions. Yep. He was like, you gave him, made gave him, him you yeah, you gave him an army, and then Otto. Now I think Otto had a lot of awesome lines. He said a lot of smart things, but this was he was just like. Well, it was a half measure. Like I he says something, and it was like he Otto. Was a half measure. You, he was like, "You're trying to." I was like, "You're trying to backpedal, my man." Like you fucked up. You just gotta say you fucked up. Like, yeah, <laughs> I did. I I caught that too, Kenny. I I think that when he says, "Uh," because the king calls him out. Like first of all, motherfucker, you complain about him so much, but you put him in that exact position. Now you're complaining about it, and Otto's response is literally, "It was a half measure. Just something. It was. I gave him something to do. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, this is just something okay. to do." Real quick, on the note of backpedaling. Okay, on the note of backpedaling, my man Damon, he he is out. This the it's the night that his nephew has died. Yep. the the heir for a day. Yeah, and he's in a whorehouse, and then he celebrates and he toasts to his nephew. And a bunch of men are there. His heir, men are all heir for fun. the day. Yep, he gets called into the throne room, and his brother is sitting on the throne. And he his like, brother goes is up. pissed, by the way. Pissed, he holding a, a sword. He has a fucking sword out. He's got the king's guard there, and he he doesn't address him as your grace. And he says, "Call me your grace, or the king's guard will have your tongue." Yep. It's it's serious, right? So he says, "Did you say it?" And he says, "Say what?" Air for a day. Did you toast like to my son's death? Air for a day. Damon says, "We all grieve in our own way." Yo, <laughs> what does that mean? Yo. <laughs> My man, we grieve in our own way. You, my man is a monster. He's a fucking monster. He's a menace and he's a monster. That line was so good because honestly, what can you say if someone tells you like I grieve by whoring and like doing like you can't tell me how to grieve. You really can't say anything when somebody says something like that. Yeah, it was it was it was one of those ignorant ass responses that people use like oh my mental health. 
Like when people don't actually have any real mental health issues and they just say that shit to kind of be like you, because you know you can't say anything after someone says that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if somebody's Yo, like, well, I, why, why have you been acting like this? Like, oh, my mental. Like I, I just use mental health as an excuse, which is like really unfortunate for people who actually suffer from real mental health issues. But like the point is, Damon will say anything to basically absolve himself from any like I guilt. Lost it. He's he's toasting to the death of his nephew. He's like, oh, we all grieve in our own way. I was like, excuse he, me. He said it so carefree, uh, and that is the cul- that is the climax of the episode. That scene, that entire scene. I think that scene is brilliantly shot. It's at nighttime. You rarely get to see the throne room at night. The only other time I can really think of seeing the throne room at night is when Cersei had her coronation. When Cersei blew up the church at the end of episode ten of season six. Again, the best episode of Game of Thrones. Uh the long may she reign. I didn't even know what was happening. It was like, you see all these people in the throne room on the sides and you see Cersei walking down. She has on this fucking coat of armor. She looks insane. Yeah, She does. She has a coat of armor on. She has her short hair, which actually starts to grow on you. Cause she starts to, she looks cool now and she's walking down the aisle and she stands in front of the throne and she turns and she sits down and they say to like, to Queen Cersei, uh, first of her name, Queen of the Andals, they, they they give her the whole spiel, right? And then they say, long may she reign, and they put a crown on her head, and it's nighttime, and it looks so fucking cool. And she just yeah. kind of sits there. I love it. So when I saw this scene, I was like, oh shit, we get to see the throne at night again, but the king is pissed. He has his Valyrian steel sword, uh, which is called Blackfire, I believe, and Damon has Dark Sister, which is another Valyrian steel sword. I love that we have all these Valyrian steel swords. So there's Blackfire, and there's uh, Dark Sister, which they mentioned in the episode. They call it Dark Sister and everything, because uh, I think that when he gives the necklace to Rhaenyra, yeah, she says, she it's, says it's like we both sister. have Valyrian steel now. Yeah, it's like Dark Sister, something yep. like that. Uh, and so they're in this room, and you know the king, like you said, he's pissed. He's very clearly pissed, but he has a sword in front of him, which I guess. I'm supposed to understand, and I think that this is what we're all supposed to get from this. The king is not known to be a fighter. I don't think that he's a fighter by any means. I don't think that he's good at it. I don't. I think that it was just kind of a show of power, right? Like, even when he says that line that you brought up, uh, you will address me as your grace or they will have your tongue. It was kind of the show. I'm not fucking around because normally, normally Damon gets to kind of walk all over the king. Everyone yeah. and everyone knows it. It's very known that the, the brother gets to do whatever he wants and it goes unchecked. And so this time, Damon kind of thought, eh, he's just kind of going to berate me, but I'm just going to dance around it. And he immediately nipped that shit in the bud and said, listen, this time, on this day, on this fucking day, I'm not playing with you. I'm not playing right now, Damon. Did you say it? And so after Damon confesses and he says, I'm mourning my own way, they start having a real serious debate. Everything I've ever given you, you've thrown it back in my face. And he's like, everything you've given me, he was like, all you've ever done is push me away. Mm-hmm. He's like, you sent me to the veil. Then you give me the city watch and the master coin, all this other stuff. He was like, you've given me everything, but what I actually want, which is like to be handed a King. He's like, you gave it to fucking Otto Hightower. He's like, Otto Hightower is the most loyal man I know and way more loyal than you could ever be. And he's like, Otto Hightower is a cunt. Just like that. He's like, I see him for what he is. A cunt. Yep. And I was like, holy shit. And they start having at it. I mean, the scene is so it's, the thing I love about Game of Thrones the most is not the action. It's never been that. The action is great sometimes. And it's like, always the story, man. The At the end of the story, day, that's what it is for everything, man. The conversations, whoever writes these dialogues between the, the characters, like Elena when she first meets Tywin, right? Like stuff like that. These conversations that the characters have 
is so fucking well written. They're so well written. I love it to no end. And this is an example of that. I was like, yo, the writers, they're on it. Yeah, it's it's all about the drama, man. Action with no drama is just like senseless. You know yeah, what I mean? Like it, we need we need drama. We need something to drive the action. Otherwise, it's just like, oh, that's cool, but what does it mean? Yeah, it's just that. It's like, okay, that's conda, whatever, but I mean who cares at the end of the day if it's there's no real build up no real story to it so i absolutely love you know what's crazy even the tourney of this episode which we don't even know these characters these are all new people to us i don't know a single character in the show and i didn't read fire and blood i read the other game of thrones the original game of thrones books i read i did not read fire and blood so i don't know fully what's going to happen i have some ideas about what's going to happen but i actually don't know what's going on because i didn't read fire and blood and Damn. the cool thing about seeing Damon choose Otto's son is that somehow they managed to give build up to that that tournament. Yeah, in, in the one, same, in a, not yeah. even in one, not even in a full episode. In yeah. half an episode, they were able to add. They were to make you care yes. about like this fight in already. Half an episode. Think about how brilliant that is. They had a fight scene that. Honestly, if they would have just showed that fight to start the episode off, we would have had no con. Like, if he would have just chose his son and be his son, we would have been like, okay, I don't really understand why that's a thing. Yeah. But the fact that those two have already had it out by that point, when you see him choose his son and he kind of smirks and looks over at Otto, and Otto, the king looks at Otto. Viserys looks at Otto, and honestly, the king kind of gave me, like, this is good. This is going to be good vibes. Like, the king cool. was, yeah, yeah, the yeah. kind of liked it. Like he low key was here for it. And I was like, yo, the king is messy. Like that's a messy queen. That's a I, messy queen right there. I saw that too. I saw when he, the way he looked at him, he was like, oh, this is going to be cool. Like our boys are fighting. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, the king was here for it. He wasn't like, oh, that's distasteful. Why would you do that? Why are you taunting him? In fact, there was even a line that the king says in the show. He's like, you know that my brother always taunts you and you, why would you allow it? And I was like, yo, Damon just brought up this man's dead wife and you literally defend Damon. It, it reminds me of when you're, uh, when you're, I'm gonna just say it when you're the favorite in the family uh, for certain reasons, whatever reason it is, when you're the favorite, you tend to get like treated badly in a weird way. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I don't quite under, I'm going to try to put this to words, but when you are the family favorite, when you're the straight A student, when you're the one that doesn't get into trouble, when you're like the really good one, uh, you tend to just like get treated poorly and the bad one gets defended all the time. Like, Oh, you know, your brother, he just needs a little bit more help. Uh, your sister, yep. you know, she just needs a little bit more time. It's, and it's pretty toxic. It's this idea of like, well, like you're fine. Like yes. you'll be okay. Yes. You don't need any help. Nobody like, and so when you, you fuck get up, coddled. yeah, the when, bad so, one gets coddled, the bad one gets coddled. And then when you fuck up, no one's there to help you. And then on top of that, they're not there to help you. They, they, they they'll scold you. They'll yeah. be like, you so, should know better. You, yeah. you, you of all people should know better. But when you're, when you're younger sibling or older sibling, whatever they are, when they do something bad and they're already kind of known as the, I'm going to just say it, the bad one, they get passes and they get all these excuses made for me. You're like, mom, you always fucking take up for him. My, I'm not speaking from experience, by the way. I don't even have a brother. Uh, I actually only have a sister. My sister's a doll. Like She's actually just fine. So I'm not speaking from experience as far as my direct family. I don't want anybody to take it that way. But I do have... You're speaking of, from... Like, you just... Un, like, this is stuff that you've seen. That I've you observed. Know and also, yeah. I've noticed this with cousins. Because I do have a lot of cousins. And I blatantly see this happen. And also, my friends. I've seen this in some of my friends' relationships. Not going to say any names. But they know exactly who they are if they're listening. Uh, the favorite gets treated a certain way. And then the bad ones 
get treated in this way that's like, why are you coddling the drug addict or the the one who tends to do all these crimes and always is in and out of jail and doing all this bad bullshit? It's like, yo, at some point you gotta say grow up and take accountability. And mm-hmm. the king, I can already see, has been a shield for Damon, and the, and the king is fed up. He even says in that meeting that we're talking about, he says, "I'm the only one at court who stands up for you." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he blatantly says, like, I'm your only ally at court. I'm the only one who stands up for you. So it's that same thing we even see when Otto was being uh, taunted by Damon. You know, he stayed, Otto stands up. He's pissed. He stands up. He's like, I'll fucking leave right now. Or I don't know what, I don't think he meant anything violent because he knows he can't beat Damon. But he stands up as a show of like, you disrespected me. Mm-hmm. And the king just says, you know, he likes to mock you. You know, he makes a thing out of it every time. Like, how the fuck is that make it okay though? You want me to just in, in the you know Otto sits yeah. there and he apologizes for it. But I, I was really annoyed that Otto apologized for getting upset over Damon saying some fuck shit. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's why yeah the king was basically just saying like you know what to expect so don't let it get to you. Yeah, like that makes it okay. Like no. So yeah, they have this big argument, and at the end of the argument, you know, uh, Damon tells the king, "You're weak, Viserys." You're weak, and they all know it. That that council full of leeches, they feed off of you. And honestly, that line, you're weak, Viserys, the way he says it, it didn't seem like malice. He said, I should be the one protecting you before he says that. And I I kind of, this goes back to what you were saying when we had that little, like, slight disagreement there. I... I agree with your point about how he does care for his brother. Like he genuinely, I don't think that he ever wanted to kill or hurt his brother. Now, granted, he does take a step forward in this scene, which I thought was really cool. And the King's guard immediately starts to unsheath. And even the King himself, which I thought was interesting. The King himself even makes a gesture towards his sword. But I I take that part where he says, you're weak, Viserys. And that that council full of leeches, they, they all know it and they all feast off of you. I, I, I felt the sadness when he kind of said it, like, you are not known to have a backbone. And yeah. it's not a secret. It's not a secret, bro. And I'm the one who should be protecting you. So, you know, I really, really like that. Oh, man. I I think that um we're getting toward the end. I think we have to talk about, essentially, the end of the episode, which I think was fucking stellar as well. Yes. the Essentially, the, the secret coronation of of Renera when the the king brings her down to the giant dragon skull. Oh god, yes, we gotta talk about talk, that. He's he's talking to her and then he reveals to her like the true meaning, the lineage of the Targaryens and like the vision. And he mentions a song of ice and fire and the the things that Aegon the Conqueror saw and like the threat of the White Walkers and he's acutely aware of not only history but what could be coming. He is I love he's it because- ready the White Walkers to come tomorrow. You know what I mean? The like White Walkers don't come for 200 years from when he's saying this. Yeah. And apparently Aegon the Conqueror had visions of this a long time ago, right? So Hundreds Aegon, of years ago. Aegon is 100 years ago. And it's so cool to me that, like, we know that 200 years from where House of the Dragon is taking place is when the White Walkers finally come. So they have been preparing for this for actually hundreds of years. And people were like, yo, where did that come from? That whole, this secret has been passed down because we heard nothing about it in Game of Thrones. But it makes sense that we heard nothing about it in Game of Thrones. There are no Targaryen kings in Game it's of Thrones. It's fucking awesome, dude. Isn't it amazing? It's awesome because we, there's no way for us to know this because 
Daenerys was never born into a position to learn this. Yes, you don't just learn it because you're heir. born a Targaryen. You learn it when you're picked to be the heir. Yes. That's when you learn it. So she, and, Rhaegar was the heir, and Rhaegar got killed by Robert Baratheon. So if anyone knew, it would have been Rhaegar. So that secret died with Rhaegar, which is uh, Danny's yes. older brother. It never got passed to Danny because Danny was never the heir. Danny was actually going to be overlooked again. Not overlooked, but she would have been uh, third in line because her, she had a brother. She had an older yep. brother, Viserys, who so, ends up dying. So she was never going to hear this secret. Never. And so it's awesome because that secret exists, but we never know it. And the other thing that's awesome is that, and this is why I want us to like get the, the history of the history of the history. I would love to see the Aegon the Conqueror's time because he has these visions. And I assume, rightfully so, because it's dragons, that he goes over here, he knows that the White Walkers are going to, or, or like, you know, the Winter is going to take over the world, right? Yeah. If the Targaryens have these dragons, they can fight back against the Winter. They can defend the realm against the Winter, right? Yeah. They, we know that at this time, there's ten dragons. If the White Walkers came today during House of the Dragon, they'd get obliterated. Like, no shot. Yeah, there's it's actually dragons, interesting that right? the White Walkers don't come until it's the dragons are, I won't say they're weak, because by the time they come, they are pretty strong. But there's not fucking 10 of them there's not 10 of them but also the the one of the coolest things is there's this sort of secret mission the secret history of the targaryen kings to defend against the the winter and to like follow on like this vision of aegon yes. however by the time it happens the targaryens are no longer in power they're yeah. they're, they're no and longer they king a, tar of the a targaryen kings. has to be on the throne and the dragons are going to assist there's a lot that's set in the scene also we can't we can't forget to talk about that fucking dagger. He's been wearing that dagger since the first scene he's in. He actually dagger, yo. He actually has that cat's paw dagger that's in. It's so. Oh my god, it's so good. That dagger is used to kill the the Night King. <laughs> so he's telling his daughter Rhaenyra this secret, and he has the fucking dagger on his waist that is literally used to kill that very threat that's coming for all of humanity two hundred years from now, mm -hmm. and that dagger actually is what causes Game of Thrones to happen in a way. Like, yes, it starts with John Aaron being killed, the hand of the king, and then Robert Ratheon has to go all the way to the north to get Ned to be his new hand. But really, Game of Thrones takes off when Littlefinger essentially frames uh, t uh, t Tyrion, right? Like, he frames Tyrion as being the one who had the dagger that was used to try to kill Bran. That kind of really kicks off the war between... Yep. Those families, like the War of the Five Kings, all of that happens because Ned gets thrown in jail. Like, it all kind of starts, though. That dagger is a big reason why Game of Thrones happens at all. Because if it couldn't have been blamed on Tyrion, then Catelyn would have never captured Tyrion, tried to take him to the Vale to have him executed and all that. Like, a lot goes wrong. Like, Tywin says, we can't, even though he's the less, the the lesser of all of us, like uh, talking about Tyrion, even though he's the lesser of all of us, he's still a fucking Lannister and we cannot let them yep. just take him and do that with impunity. So he started a whole war over it. It's, it's wild. And so that it, dagger, it's so fucking amazing to see, but it's also, I remember feeling these mixed emotions, a little bit of like, uh, frustration because we know how they end up ending Game of Thrones yeah. and it doesn't I end. It, bro. I hope they fix it. So that's what I was going to say. It doesn't, it unfortunately doesn't live up to how amazing the premonition is and like all this cool stuff. It doesn't live up to the hype because we know the ending and we know that they completely botched the ending. The so long night is one I, I just would, I just need, need a retcon. I need him to finish the books and to get Game of Thrones Brotherhood. I need, yeah, Game of Thrones need Brotherhood him. needs to happen for sure. 
Yeah, I, I need them to retcon then. Because, like, it's cool because they can retcon. Like, they retcon the Iron Throne. I understand that's a lot either as a set piece. But yeah. I would love for them. To, I would love there to be a rewrite of the fucking I think that we will get that, throne. actually. I think we will because he's going to hopefully. I'm, God, I hope he does. I hope he finishes the books. There's only two books left. I hope he finishes them. And if he does, I do hope that HBO at some point picks up. And they're going to have to use completely different actors for most of them, I assume. Yeah, because age is... Yeah, age might change a lot. Like, honestly, if he gets them done soon, like in the next five years, the actors could just play. They can still be yeah. there. Because, you know, it's not going to change. Like, five years isn't going to change too much. But, like, honestly, if it gets too far, like we, too might just far. Have to, we might have to deal with yeah. new actors. And I'm fine with that. I'm completely I'm, fine with them recasting yeah. everybody and just continuing from, like, where season six left off or whatever, wherever they need to. It, it, it yeah, I, I really hope so. But man, that secret, they could also so, make an anime. You know what I mean? I'm they could make an that. anime. I would definitely be here for it. Uh, so yeah, he gives the secret. But that conversation starts off with something so cool too, because I didn't even know that that's what was coming. So he's in the he's in the room looking at the skull of the biggest dragon ever, Valyrian the Black Dread. Valyrian is the last dragon to have seen old Valyria. It yes. is the oldest relic from the old world before the, the Targaryen house even started. So Balerion lived for like hundreds of years, apparently. is He's been ridden by uh, many kings and stuff. And so Balerion's dead. It's the biggest skull. And they show Viserys, the current king, He's his hands are literally on top of all the candles. So just, they, they do so much in this episode. We see that they are still immune to fire. At least he is. Because Danny's immune to fire, and from what I understand from the books, that's not a trait of all Targaryens. That's not like a thing. It's not just that, oh, Targaryens are immune to fire the way Danny is. Like, Danny can literally walk in fire and nothing happens. That's not supposed yep. to be like that for all of them, but Danny was special. I mean, we saw her older brother. Yeah. So, He's dead. So, Danny is special, but when I saw him literally having the flames of the candles, they were touching his hand. Like, he fully was just moving his hand across the candles. I was like, oh, shit. They're like, it's a thing. And then they also made the comment about the bath being, the bath water being tepid. And don't you know that dragons prefer fire? That whole mm-hmm. thing. So the heat, the heat aspect of Targaryens is already playing a part and they might use it for something really cool later on. I'm just guessing. But I think that the heat thing, the fire thing being uh, immunity to fire may play a part later on, which is going to be cool. But I also want to say he saw, he, he first talks about, uh, he says, when you look at this dragon, when you look at this, what do you see? When you think about the house Targaryen, like, what do you see? And she's like, you haven't talked to me since mother's funeral at all. And he's like, but I need, he's like, listen, I need to know the answer. It's important. And so she, she's like, oh shit, you're being serious. So he looks, she looks up back at the dragon head and she says, uh, when I look at this, they always say that the Targaryens are closer to God than they are to men. But they only say that because of our dragons. And he says, correct, but that's not true. Like, we're not actually close to them. And she says, uh, without the dragons, we're no different. We're just like everyone else. And that, to me, was so cool because we know later on, right, like in Game of Thrones, the Targaryens really aren't anything crazy without mm-hmm. their dragons. Like, Rhaegar loses to Robert Baratheon. Like, he just straight up loses yep. to him, and, like, he dies in a fight with him, and the, the Targaryens essentially lose their seat, and the Baratheons take over, and then, like, Cersei takes they over. They lose a normal war. Yeah, like, they lose normal a normal war. war they lost. Yeah, they, they actually lost a war. Point blank period. The Mad King lost. Like, he 
flat out loss. Yes, it took some betrayals and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, no amount of betrayal that could happen in these times of House of the Dragon. Like, okay, you killed, you backstabbed one Targaryen. Cool. That yeah. Targaryen is dead. There are fucking tons of us and there's tons of dragons it will yeah, do you no good dragons. good luck Chance. it will do you no good to kill a single one so even if like viserys was backstabbed and killed at any point it wouldn't mean anything like okay now another tar another targaryen is just going to take the seat yeah it doesn't mean a lannister is going to deal with this <laughs> yeah, yeah. because like a lannister can't tell a dragon what to do and so like yeah so if a lannister or if a baratheon were to backstab and kill a targaryen king in these times and even if he sat on iron throne he would be fucking toasted yeah, it's like, oh, cool. Congratulations. Like, so I really like that comment about how we're closer to gods than we are to men, but they only say that because of our dragons. Without our dragons, we're just like everybody else. That yeah. that entire little spiel, and this is coming from a little girl, that entire spiel, I love that because she's so self-aware. She's aware that their power is actually in the dragons and not necessarily in just like who they are. Yep. She's very smart. She's awesome pick for a main character. I you know, assumedly made characters. Yeah. I don't want to, I don't, yeah, I don't think they're going to be header. I don't think they're going to be header at the last episode, but I don't no, know. Maybe they we, we already know at least, I don't remember the trailer because we, we actually did a review on the trailer a long time ago. I don't yeah. remember exactly what we saw in that trailer, but I do remember that she was older. Yeah. So, so, so we know that we know that at the very least, you know, younger Nera is going to be fine. She's going to live to be an older person. And I don't know her fate as far as like, you know, what's going to happen to her, what's going to happen to Damon, all that stuff. What's going to, like, when is the king going to die? Because at some point he, I think in yeah, order the king for this, has to die. Also, the hand of the king has to die at some point, right? He's the oh, hand of the king. They all I die. Think, <laughs> I think Damon, they do say that all of the hand of the kings do die. I think that at some point, Damon might be the one to uh, give him his demise. I, I, I kind of feel like with all this shit going on with Otto, I think that Otto is going to get destroyed by by Damon at some point later down the line because like it, it's kind of weird Damon has Viserys to protect him but so yeah. does Otto yeah like if you think about it I think that Damon would kill Otto without thinking about it yeah, so in a, in a weird way they they both have Viserys as a mediator between as, the two yeah they and, both have him as a shield I'm so interested in all the intrigue that's going to happen like for example obviously they're going to try to pit um the current heir to the throne, the queen, the the queen to be, and yep. they're going to pit Damon. They're going to pit them against each other, right? Oh, Obviously. of course, that's going to happen. I can see a scene, especially considering they're Targaryens. I can see a scene where, like, he comes to her and he's like, "We can rule together. Like, you I can, can be my too. wife." Like, and yeah. he, because we were talking about like possible romantic tension between them. He's like, "We can rule together. Like, you can be my wife. I can be the king. You know what I mean? Like, I can." Very easily see that. Being yes, she's point. already fond of him, clearly, right? He gave her that necklace. I think that necklace is going to come up later on. I think that as an adult, she's going to be wearing that necklace and it's going to mean something like the promise we made, like the thing we had together. Like, don't forget about me. He, oh, Damon said, the blood of the dragon runs thick. Yeah. I love that because the end of it all was basically Viserys sending his brother off back to the veil. You are to go back. I command you to go back to the veil with your lady wife. And like live out your days there, essentially. And whether Damon does that or not, for how long he does it or whatever, like he leaves at that moment, but he also takes a step forward and the whole Kingsguard activates. But like whether he stays there for long, how long he stays there, I don't think he's going to be there. Damon's rebellious. He's not going to. A hundred percent. And I think that he also knows his brother well. His brother was mad in that moment, but his brother is one of those people that quickly forgets his own anger. Um, so there's a lot to be said about that. There's only two more scenes that we could we could just quickly because we need to wrap up. It's we're at the two hour mark. There's two other scenes that I just want to quickly 
discuss. So we talked about this. Damon gets basically sent away. There's the funeral and there's Alicent going to the King's room. I think these are literally the only two scenes in the entire episode that we have not talked about. Okay. Yeah. So real quick, I want to talk about the funeral. Uh, it was really cool because they actually cremate their dead, which I'm starting to wonder if that's because of this prophecy now. Like the the Targaryens. Mm, that's interesting. Isn't that interesting? They burn their dead. They have a dragon literally burn their dead. That's how they they don't bury people in a Targaryen lineage. That's not what they do. Uh so that made me think about that. Now that we know that there's this because that that secret changes Game of Thrones a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I thought about that. I also thought about the fact that they had Rhaenyra be the person who said Dracarys. Like she had to basically kill Yo, kill but she that had to be scene, the one that scene was so good because i think the way it's framed i think it was supposed to be the father to do it but he was so broken that like mm-hmm. he just couldn't do anything because yep. when she finally steps forward to do it she's crying she tried she try, she goes and like she doesn't say anything and she stares at him for a long and she's time. like crying and then she stares at her dad almost to say like this is your job like and also like disappointment and just like looking at her like are you fucking happy just everything and she looks and then after she stares at her father she turns and she's she's like dracarys and like she says it but like she's able to essentially steal her will after like looking at her dad and almost just like being disappointed because everything like he what loved she's looking at to her everything he loved and truly cared about in this world was in front of him on that altar everything that he cared about and that's what she says to alice in the beginning since i've since i've uh, known him the only thing my dad has ever wanted was a son and so for his sake, I hope he gets one. And that's when she was like, you, you really want your dad to have a son? Because like that changes your position. Like Technically, you could be an heir, but if he has a son, that's not the best for your own... But like she, Rhaenyra's like, I don't really give a fuck yeah. about that. You, like I remember my dad... She actually wants her dad to be happy, which I really like about her. That, But you know what's interesting? Like you said, how this changes Game of Thrones. The fact that at this time, everybody looks at him, and even his own daughter looks at him like, you don't care about me... You just want a son, you want to heir. But you have to understand, from his perspective, he's carrying a secret that no one knows. He, and he's looking at his brother, who he feels isn't fit to wield this secret. Yeah. Isn't, he wants an heir, he wants a male heir, so that he can ensure that he has somebody that's ready to not only lead the, the kingdoms, but take on this secret, take on this prophecy, and go forward with it. And that's really important, because you some people could look at him in a bad way, like, you know, he didn't care about his daughter or whatever, but like, he just wanted to make sure he had an heir. Yeah, he was so focused carry on, on this prophecy. And the other thing uh, I want to talk about related to the scene is that so after they take the baby out, right? And the maester says, you know, you have an heir. And he looks up and says, it's a boy. You see the tears in his eyes because he just lost Emma. But what's crazy is that the next scene is the funeral. And yeah. they killed the baby off screen. Like, honestly, watching Ish, you hear the baby croak. Oh, do you? Yeah, yeah. There's so there's a part. It's the maester's holding the baby and he asks for the baby's name. And I think he, he Baylor, Baylor, ba- Baylon. And then, yeah. And then he's holding the baby. If you go back and watch the scene, you, you can hear like everything's like fine. But then you hear like, Glick. You hear like a mm. you hear like a girdle, like a croak okay. from the baby, and then you can see the maester's face like looks discontent. Oh, I didn't I don't I did not notice that part, I won't lie. Um, but that is interesting. And then they just I mean still the baby's death happens fucking completely off screen. Like they don't even show yeah, yeah. 
when the baby dies on screen. They don't be like, oh, like, holy shit, something's happening to the child. And all the maces run to it and they're trying to figure out what's wrong with him and clear his throat passage or something. Like, there's none of that. Yeah, the yeah, baby just none. fucking. So the way they do it is so Game of Thrones. You see the mom's body wrapped up, ready to be burned. And then they, the camera pans over and there's a, a tiny package. It's a, yeah. a fucking little, a little tiny care package. And I was like, oh, no. Like, oh, no. Not like this. And yeah, that's how that's that's how you find out that his fucking son that he wanted so bad is dead. So yes, that's the funeral. I thought it was cool. They burn their dead. They fly far away from the the capital. Like I noticed that the capital was in the back, and it was it was quite the distance away. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I only saw one dragon, and that was Rhaenyra's dragon, actually Cyrax, I think is his name. Um, And I think Damon's uh, dragon's name is Caraxes. And when they show they show Damon's dragon, oh my god, his dragon is big as fuck. Bro, his his dragon's neck is it's so fucking long. Did yeah. you notice that the dragon's neck? So that dragon has a couple features that are really exclusive to it, and this is something that I'm already liking. I'm already loving the fact that the dragons are all unique because there's going to be so many of them. And Daenerys's dragons were all the same exact thing, but they were different colors. They literally looked exactly the same, just different colors. I love that Caraxes is this long neck red and black dragon and then it had these amphibious legs yeah, like did you man. catch the legs had like fins almost to them yeah 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 i'm yeah. wondering if those legs are going to actually play a part in how that dragon functions if that dragon functions in the water i'm done like i'm yeah them motherfuckers gonna swim and shit because did I'm you down. see it it had like yeah, weird, yeah. like the, the legs had like these little thin looking attachments to him and the way it started flying i was like bro if that dragon is amphibious i'm fucking done we're we're gonna get it's i can't wait man i the other thing i'm excited about is like i'm I'm just excited to i mean i'm never excited to go to work but i am excited to go to work (laughs) and like and like talk about it you know what i mean because like when i go to work tomorrow I feel like so many people are going to be talking about this. Yes. And it's the talk of the town. I mean, it's yeah, it was trending it, on Twitter. It was HBO's biggest premiere of a TV show ever. It might be the biggest premiere of a TV show, period. Yeah, it's possible. It broke the app. Like, the app crashed. It's everything. It's. I'm so glad that all of the naysayers, this quieted them. Like, this completely yeah, quelled. Yeah. They got, there's actually a couple people that I've talked to that hadn't. I don't know if they've seen it now because I, I talked to them, but there's a couple people that said that they hadn't gotten around to watching it yet, and like they still had, you know, apprehension. And I was like, yeah. "Dog!" And basically everything. I'm not going to repeat myself. Yeah, yeah. But I explained to them, like, "Listen, go watch it." And then I gave various reasons without spoiling. Yeah. So the last scene I want to talk about, and this is literally the end. And I know we said it a couple. This is the. This is it. Allison goes into the king's room after his uh, family. This dies. is also an awesome scene. Yes, she walks in. And the king is creating a 3D model of old Valyria. It's actually really cool. He's actually very talented. So I started mm-hmm. to realize, okay, so while Damon is the great one in battle, the king is more so like a Tyrion. He's probably very smart, very academic, and artsy. He's an artist. Like, yeah. to build that know, Valyria sculpture, what he was making was amazing. We know, as we were just talking about how much he's interested in history, but then on top of that, in this scene we're talking about now, um, the, the girl, what's her name again? Allison. Allison also says, like, I know that you you have a love of the histories. Yeah. Yeah. So she mentions that she walks in, mind you, she's in this this dress that her dad told her to wear, which is her mother's dress, and it's off shoulder. So 
you know, it starts at her cleavage, basically. Her, you know, it's all mm. so it's off shoulder. She looks really beautiful. She looks really nice and everything. But I like the fact that the way the directors did this scene, it wasn't immediate with any kind of thing that's supposed to happen between these two. He's actually not even paying her any mind. When he, she walks in, she brings in a book and he's like, oh, just like leave it over there. And she doesn't leave the room. She kind of stands there and then she starts walking forward, but he never looks at her. Like he doesn't notice yeah. how he doesn't notice how she's dressed. And he also doesn't notice her beauty at like, and at, at no point in this scene really does he like care about that. He's just kind yeah. of doing his own. He's thing. almost like somewhat annoyed, but he's I also, get, I got that too. He's like kind of annoyed, but he's also being respectful, like respectful. Yeah. I got that. I got that too. I got, uh, like, Okay, I see you. I get that you're here. You're I, I understand that you're just paying your respects to me. You're giving me your condolences, yeah. but at no point in this scene is he like looking at her as a sexual being, as mm-hmm. someone as a probable future queen, uh somebody Which is who, what she was sent there to be. She's literally sent there to be that. And I think that that's where this is going. Like looking at the trailers, because I know that her and Rhaenyra have a falling out, obviously. And because of the fact that in episode one, they're already showing us she was sent there to seduce him. That is clear to me. There is nothing that could convince me. Otherwise, I think that Otto intentionally had her go there for this reason. Uh, and I don't know if something I don't think anything happens this night, but I nah, think nah. that they're going to grow close. And yeah, that's possible. And it seems to me that she could be vying to be the queen. And then that has implications because if she has a child that has implications and all, you know, there's a lot at play with just her getting with the king, but he does not at any point. I'm watching the scene right now, literally on my other monitor. He is still hurt. He actually was kissing the ring of his wife and he like wraps it up in a little cloth. But at no point in this scene does he look at her and stare at her too long, like longer than he normally would. Like like he doesn't notice her beauty. It is important to note that like he didn't just want a son and like did it like, yes, he essentially said, like, kill my wife to get the baby out. But like he didn't really have any other choice at this moment. Yeah, he truly loved his wife. He his wife just wasn't like a means to an end. He did. You can obviously tell he loved his wife and he's not ready to just move on and cheat on her. Yes, he doesn't give me that. And I'm glad that they didn't make it fast like game of thrones is supposed to be slow paced so whatever's going to happen between him and alicent needs to be a real developed relationship that slowly goes left right i I also very much enjoy her intelligence and and poise in this scene as well where she she knows why she's there but then eventually like they're there and it's a little awkward and he says you know she goes she almost like breaks the tension because like the king feels all the suffering and then she kind of reminds him first she says like you know when my mom died that's the king's look yeah and so the the king is now like there's a moment where he goes like she's gone through this too essentially right and she says like something i think that was yeah she says something like very smart you know when my mom died everybody spoke to me in riddles and all i wanted was for someone to say i'm sorry and then she says like I'm, you know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry uh, to happen to you. Yeah. And that was good. That was a, amazing, actually. Yes, right. I forgot very, very exactly good. how she worded the way you, yeah, the way she worded that was fucking amazing. And it just, it shows just these, these people, they're, they're well written and the characters themselves, they're smart, they're intelligent. They've, they've got, they've got words about them and it doesn't feel forced. Like they, they can speak naturally and yeah, it, it that, creates for some very dynamic scenes. Yeah, that scene was really good, and I forgot that she, that's the way she kind of, uh, like, coddled him in that moment, 
was she said, you know, my mom died. And when she died, everyone spoke to me in riddles. That was very, very well said by uh, Allison. She's smart. Like you said, she's actually, she was sent there for a reason, but she doesn't go right into it because that would be foolish and silly. So she's like slowly easing into it. Now I'm wondering, I guess the only thing I'm wondering, because they don't, they didn't have Otto send her in there for no reason. Game of Thrones doesn't really waste scenes. Clearly something is going to happen. I'm just wondering who is going to make the first move. Yeah. I'm actually wondering between the King and Alicent, which one of them is actually going to make the first sexual move, but that that'll come later. I'm sure we'll get to that eventually, but I'm just, that's just like where my mind is going for the future. There's a lot to be said about that, but we're going to, we're going to like start to end it here. Uh, Before we go, I want to give a shout out to everyone who listens to this podcast. I really appreciate you guys. Our biggest episode Basically, as far as the way it's pacing is the episode with Nazara Sarhan. Uh, I appreciate the love and outpour that we got for that episode, the attention we got to it. Um, I'm glad that people are sharing the episodes that we put out. We're almost approaching our 100th episode. And honestly, we would not be doing this still if we didn't have supporters. Uh, None bigger than the ones on Patreon. We really, really appreciate you guys because uh, you guys are supporting the podcast, not only by just liking it and sharing it and being a part of our Discord and giving us ideas for topics and all those things, but also financially, which is amazing. And this podcast has been financially supported since the inception. We started our Patreon immediately and people flocked to it immediately, which I could not believe. So I really appreciate that. And yeah, I just it just goes a long way, all the support that we get. Um, that being said, let me give a shout out to the people on our Patreon. Uh, if you guys are interested in exclusive content, episodes that are only available on Patreon, we'll be recording the August episode next week. Uh, Kenny will be uploading some videos uh, for the Patreon as well this week. So if you're interested in that type of thing, check out our Patreon. And you can also join our Discord through joining our Patreon, even at the lowest tier, and you're in it forever. So once you subscribe to it at any tier, uh, you get access to our Discord server. And there's like... 40 plus people in the discord server at this point like we've had over 40 patrons at one point so there's a lot of people in there and they discuss all types of things as far as episodes there's a whole bunch of channels in there so if that type of thing interests you as well check that out but yes we have connie austin leon quest garen xavier hylian tcg automotive tyree tinsley dimitri barnes alexander Brissett, vinnie casello giovanni avelos alex flamer Henri reynolds cj dub k dad one saw at dabbers gaming cafe dan Varable, dennis milburn uh, joseph marcello first to home dalis Fernares, s akuma mitchell nals midwest gaming william shapiro demetrius fierdas vince marquette dallas bailey kj biz biz roz weiss nick stango scott palera hansel our two-time national champion vincent zen sarah maria and newly, uh, Sony at the Top Cup Podcast. Thank you so much for joining. I really appreciate thank you, thank that you. as well. Uh, I also wanted to give a shout out to Silver Chronic. So Silver Chronic was a long time and still is a long time supporter of the podcast. Um, and, you know, he's life has been uh, all over the place for him lately. And he just let us know, like, you know, I plan to rejoin the podcast and on Patreon, I plan to continue my support, but I just recently started a new job. So I just wanted to give him a special shout out, shout out to Silver Chronic. Uh, you know, I really appreciate all the time that you were a part of our Patreon yeah. and we don't look at you as any less that you are currently, you know, getting your life together. Sometimes life forces us to do different things and have to go through all types of transitions. So again, man, I'm glad that you did like reach out and let us know what was going on. And, uh, yeah, I um, appreciate you too. Very much appreciated. Silver chronic is, you've been supporting the podcast. He's somebody that 
found the podcast through my stream. He found my stream through Reddit. Somebody posted on Reddit about my stream one day. He found my stream through Reddit, ended up supporting the stream, and then yeah. went on to support the podcast. So he's a first month support, like the first month that we put the Patreon up. Silver Chronic joined, and he's honestly been a supporter for at least at least like ten to twelve months. Like he's been on it so, for a long time. And this, so shout out to Silver Chronic. This goes for him and for anybody else, man. Like we a million percent appreciate the support, and it, it helps us a lot. But at the same time, you know, you you guys have your own lives. You got to make sure you got everything straight and everything good with your life. Yeah. So we appreciate everything that you guys do for us. And I'm wondering, so I was reading off some other podcast stuff. Like some people, you know, join the Patreon and we appreciate, we we appreciate and love that. And then some people also want to just like donate to the podcast. And I found out because we do have a PayPal, but Kenny and I just use the PayPal for podcast expenses because this is, it's not free to run a podcast in case people didn't know that. But like we pay for the podcast and we use our um like our I'm their podcast PayPal for it. But I found that that you can also create like a donation link or something like that. So I think that I'm gonna do that for people who are interested. We'll just add it to the link tree and we're not gonna be shilling our fucking PayPal all over the place all the time. We're not gonna annoy you guys with that. But for people who do, and because people have expressed like that they would like to donate and stuff like that, we will create a uh we'll make our PayPal so that you can actually donate. So I think we just have to turn it into a business account or something like that. Something like uh, that, yeah. And uh before we get out of here, I just want to know if you got hot D. <laughs> I always got hot D, King. Hot, I got hot D, man. I That's got the, hot D. Got hot D. That's, but yes, as I always say, do the things that make you happy, including slinging that hot D. <laughs> I got hot. What makes me happy is got hot D. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're out of here. Thank you.